everybody, welcome to this Board Game Life episode number 20, Gen Con 2012 Revisited. This is the show where we talk about this fantastic board game hobby of ours through the views and outlooks of two gamers. My name is Rob, and with me today, I've got my co-host with the most, Mr. Jeff. How is everyone today? (laughs) I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm good. (laughs) I guess that sums up everybody. Yeah, that's everyone. So let's get rolling with this, uh, with this, oh man, 20 episodes already. Yeah, we're a fourth of the way to retirement if, if we're, uh, Cody and John. Yeah. I'm going to keep working. <laughs> yeah, me too. Keep working. But so this is the second half of our Gen Con, uh, uh, show coverage. Why don't we get moving with this thing? Well, I, I guess I should start off with uh, an apology that we didn't get this second half of the show out sooner. It's all, it's entirely my fault. All your fault. Not Rob's. I, I did, and we did intend to record, uh, what was it, last week? I think I, last Tuesday, wasn't it? Yeah, because I was actually out of town at another convention. I leave Gen Con, and then we ha- I head off for another uh, geek convention, but this one was work-related. You know, I went through a, actually a, a significant amount of effort to bring the recording equipment with, and even had to go through the embarrassment at the airport as as it passed through the x-ray machine and and little giggles ensued because apparently it looked like something other than what it was and right they had to call somebody over and point at the screen and they reversed it back so he could see and he chuckled and um so I'm they look like, at it then they look at you they look at it and then you yeah they whisper like, to each other uh, anyway, so that was only on the way out, on the way back, apparently. Well, I was, it was San Francisco I was going to. So, you know, then leaving San Francisco, of course, you know, there's, there's no issue going through the, uh, the detectors there. It must have looked totally normal. In any case, uh, yeah, so I was out at a, a convention called VMworld 2012, which gets actually 19,000 people. So what is that? Like half of what Gen Con got? Yeah, it was less year? than half. Yeah. So that's funny. Of course, we're like Gen Con is 75 bucks or whatever. This is like 1500 if you've gone three times before, 2000 or more if you haven't. But hey, I mean, I guess it's the difference between generally companies paying and, and individuals paying. But, you know, it's kind of funny to see all the similarities because, you know, what was it? Gen Con had, uh, who was it? Ahura uh, from Star Trek? Yeah, Nish, uh, was it Nichelle Nichols? Is that yeah, that's it. And then, so we had uh, Brent Spinner, Spiner. Right. Is that how you say it? Data. Spiner. Yeah. Spiner from, uh, from, uh, the next generation. He was at VM world. Yeah. What? Yeah. It's, Go a on. Geek, it's a geek convention. So, so like, again, there's a lot of parallels. So, you know, Gen Con has board game geek fans and this, you know, VM world has virtual geek fans. Okay. And then Gen Con has, uh, what was their big performance? Uh, you know, the, the, the grand ball. I, I guess nobody really plays there. Well, they had the little, Little band in the hall and, you know, VMworld gets Bon Jovi, (laughs) which was actually pretty cool. Did you get an autograph? No, I didn't, but I was sitting, I was standing there the entire time trying to calculate how much they paid him to to show up to, uh, for only 19,000 people. We just couldn't come up with a good number. We couldn't seem, none of us could agree on how much that cost. It was a couple, two, three bucks, I'm sure. Well, I was just trying to think in terms of, you know, how much better, just the difference in venues. That's all just with, you know, different things. They had, you know, of course they had all the geek stuff. They had jumbo, jumbo Xbox games. And, and then of course they had like real person, uh, what do you call it? Like, um, where you're tied to a, a long, 
like foosball, like but with real people and. You know, where Jen kind of had to like chess with real people. And right. Just, see, I, mean, I, was, I was, it was kind of weird because it was the next week. So I was, everything was like a correlation to me, you know, like work geeks versus game geeks. You know, it was still it wasn't as different as you would think one convention to the next. In any case, uh, with the parties and the after parties and the after party parties, I basically had not even a moment's spare time to do the show. So entirely my fault. Not to mention you kept me waiting. <laughs> I did. I did. That one, I'm like, I'm on my way back anytime now. It's just, there's, there's one more party we have to go to. Like, okay, no, it's after this one. He just wants one more drink. And yeah, then I was like, who are you with? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, we're, yeah, it's really, it's been like 20. It's going to, you know, the nobody can possibly drink any more than this anyway. So it'll be back anytime now. (laughs) It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. (laughs) In any case. Okay. So here we go. Uh, this is the rest of what we did at uh, Gen Con 2012. Then uh, one other thing I want to hit up, you know, before we get going on with the show is that we're kind of uh, mortified, at least I was, I don't know about you, Jeff, to know that we mispronounced the game the entire no, that was show mortified. last time. <laughs> I, it doesn't, I don't really get too caught up over that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm, I pronounce I'm the stickler on pronunciations. I, I, I do it incorrect on purpose, although this time right. it was not on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, we got contacted uh, by Ed from AEG, and he kind of pointed out that we were saying one of our favorite games from Gen Con incorrectly, and that was Dominare. So that's how you say it, and that's how we will be saying it from now on. So sorry, guys. All right. That's all right. We're just banned from all future AEG events. It's, it's no! <laughs> Can't. We like them too much. Okay. All right, so let's get rolling uh, with the news. Okay, so what do you what do you have that's newsworthy uh, from Gen Con, actually? Okay. Uh, a little bit of news from the show was uh, that little company Gozu. They had made right. a couple of games that they kind of showed off on the iPad. Over there, they had a little bit of a booth. They had a couple iPads that were passed around to people who were walking by. Uh, they're mainly known, I think, for Dominion, aren't they? Isn't that like yeah. their, their yeah, big one? Yeah, they have the Dominion one coming out, which is, uh, I want to say that one's HTML. HTML5 based for that's right any of the geeks out there yeah because that was their big thing that they were really pushing where uh, all of their coding was going to be HTML5 so essentially it would be portable well and I think think a lot of people don't realize how powerful HTML5 is or what HTML5 is so if you're comparing it with like previous versions there, there really is a monster difference and in the business and professional world we see a lot of stuff trending that way and a lot of really big important things so i'm not as dissuaded by that as perhaps most people um i'm actually i'd be far more bummed about like the thunderstone facebook integration one which which of course now they've backed off on and they now say that as of the light, latest patch you no longer need a facebook account to play thunderstone so right you know yay on that although apparently you may still need to be connected online which is 
yeah. less an issue for me. The Facebook thing I definitely don't like, but, you know. This, isn't a lot of that stuff Flash on Facebook? Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of complaints about that one when compared to other... I mean, let's face it. I mean, the bar is pretty high with Ascension and some of the other things that are being done now, yep. especially in the card space. I mean, even Nightfall to look at another AEG product. So my real hope, since I'm kind of not the Thunderstone fan anyway, I like the Thunderstone Advance a lot. I like the new reworking. So I'd like to see AEG approach somebody else, uh, Playdeck even, with that license, assuming they can, and which I'm guessing they can because it's basically its own thing. And you know, come out with that that sort of experience with the with the new game, the new edition. So, and don't forget Android, because everybody else seems to. Yes. Yeah, because Thunderstone it's out on Yucata and it's also on Facebook. Well, I mean, so, since we're, since we're we're meshing all the uh, <laughs> tablet news together here, but I don't know if you knew, but Soulforge is uh, officially for Android now. Oh, it is. That's yes, good. and it's not based on stretch goals or anything. They just heard enough feedback. I think it was you actually. There was just they heard one more guy say that he just wasn't interested <laughs> if it wasn't Android. And all like, right, I made a difference. What? Yeah, you were just like the the straw that broke the the camel's back. So yeah, they we'll gave go in, with that. <laughs> and and they basically well, they're in danger of not meeting their goal, which I, I I had kind of forgotten, and I didn't mention when we talked about it on the last show that they they are running a Kickstarter campaign. Yes, and they want a quarter of a million dollars. And as, as last I checked, you know, earlier the morning, this morning, I think it was maybe uh, 192 with a week left, something like that, eight days. I, I mean, it, it, there is, I, I think they'll do fine because there is that last minute rush, which a game like this will get. It'll get, an, I, I, I strongly feel like it'll get funded. Yeah. They're 208 right now. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't really see an issue with it, but I, I'm, I'm sure the Android thing will help. So if you know, if you're hearing this and you were, kind of waiting because you you wanted to see that it was official then it's already official no stretch goal needed so you can go ahead and pledge and you'll you'll get it uh, I was confused more on the whole pricing point you know since it is essentially a collectible game where you continue to buy packs and things like that uh, I, you know how much do you do you spend on that how many different factions do you invest in oh yeah um, I haven't I haven't quite figured that out but I mean, it looks, it's just really pretty cool. I mean, the, the way, what they've done with it. And, um, since it's free to start playing, if I don't back it, then I'll, I'll certainly download it and you know, see what it's all about and inevitably probably spend some money on it. So, so there was a lot of, there was a lot of tablet stuff at Gen Con and we looked at a lot of it. And really, I think, I don't know about you, Rob, but there really isn't much that I even really feel like talking about that was worth talking about. There's a lot of, you know, there was a lot of like RPG stuff where you could go and, and create par- portions of worlds or, or, you know, maps and stuff. And, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of neat stuff, but, but beyond, uh, Soulforge, there was only one that I really thought was worth commenting on. And you want to mention what that one was? Oh, yeah. So as I was saying earlier, Gozu came out with uh, a settler's MMO and Jeff and I were walking by the booth. And we kind of got reined in to give it a try. So we spent a couple minutes. I don't know if it was five minutes. Uh, spent it was a, couple a good minutes. amount of time. It was probably five minutes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for me, is it, it was probably 30 seconds, but it seemed like five minutes. <laughs> um, it, mine was five minutes, but it was yeah. four minutes and 30 seconds longer than I wanted to do it. Yeah. So it was interesting where 
Uh, what they had basically done is they just basically handed us the tablets and the guys spent a couple seconds just explaining a little bit about the environment and then just basically handed me the tablet and then I kind of poked around trying to figure out what the heck to do. I, I don't, I can't say it was really as intuitive as I would have liked. It's basically a massively multiplayer version of Settlers. Yes. Time. Oh, for sure. I, it's a persistent world, I believe, and everybody yeah. plays in. Do you remember if it was in the same world or there's I'm, numbers I'm sure of there's, world? I'm sure there's probably a limit like any yeah. of the MMOs. But for me, you know, when I was handed mine, it was like, okay, you were already established on an island. Yeah, because mine was already set up, which is part and of the difficulty that I had because I wasn't sure how to continue what, what where to it was left off. Well, it, well, so I had to sail around and, and find an island. And so I, I figured, well, like civilization or any of that, you just pick a direction and eventually you'll hit something. I don't know. I think I, I sailed pretty much around the world and finally like ran into the, the tip of Africa or something. Yeah. Uh, it just, it felt like it took a while. And I, I don't know, you know, really there's no problem with the game. It's just, it, I've struggled with what to say about it. And as I, I think I have the perfect analogy because I, because I heard on another show somebody talking about a little game called Mega Acquire, which I mentioned once before on our right, show. Right. Yeah. And they, actually, I think it was the Dice Tower possibly. Uh, where they were kind of trashing it, in fact, and saying that in retrospect, and this is pretty much what I said about it. So, you know, I little, feel a little good about this one because it acquires a great game. I love acquire. I've played it for ages, um, as long as I can remember. And it's still in my collection today, despite the fact that I like find Lords of Vegas, maybe a, a better replacement, but, um, but still enjoy acquire. But the thought of a bigger, better acquire, it's just like I've played Acquire enough to know that there's that's not going to work. You're just going to make a longer game th- that really isn't isn't going to appeal to anyone except for the people that would play Acquire all day long. So it so it's basically a way of saying like if if you, the thought of playing Acquire five times in a row would appeal to you, and you would go to a convention and and compete in a tournament of that game, you know, back to back to back to back. Then you would love them, probably love Mega Acquire. Why wouldn't you love this massive game that takes five times as long and has five times as much as of everything? But more isn't always better, like to most of us, right? More Chrome, more rules doesn't always make for a better game. Longer doesn't always necessarily yeah. mean it's a better game. Sometimes so, more is more repetitive, and that's it. Yeah, and and so that's the that's basically my quick mini review of my five minute play of Settlers MMOs. If you're the kind of person that loves Settlers, you're gonna love this game. It, it is you know dripping in Settlers, right? I mean, well, the thought. Well, why wouldn't you love uh, a persistent, massively multiplayer world where you can pretty much play Settlers all day long? And it almost never ends. I you know I could really it's see awesome. this being a huge hit with the uh, Facebook gaming crowd. Yeah, 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 exactly. That, though, right. Cause again, you're playing that same sort of game, just kind of constantly going on and on. You're probably emailing out little achievements uh, linked into all of this type of stuff. If that's your type of thing, then it's going to be awesome. It really, it looks like it, it, um, hit the nail on the head on, on all of those levels. It's just, unfortunately, I'm not I'd like settlers right. in the, the board game. I, I occasionally play it. I like it. I have no problems with it. But the thought of, I would just rather play, you know, two or three separate games of Settlers, have a start and an end and a winner and, you know, reset and do it again than play it in this form. That's just, just not for me. But, but it'll be interesting to see is how much of the market can this appeal to? What is their pricing structure too to make money? And, and is it in a way where, 
they do make money and can make money off of it. I don't know. Oh yeah. I, I know Thunderstone was another one where it was, it was kind of a new level of priciness. Um, it, it cost apparently quite a bit to actually go in and acquire every piece of that game. Uh, yeah, because you had to buy the cards, the card yeah, decks. Yeah, and, and I guess I'm not yet sure how Dominion's going to be priced through them. Um, so may, maybe some of these are uh, certainly Soulforge is pushing the boundaries, right? I mean, that's going to where Ascension is really relatively cheap as an iOS uh, app. Um, Soulforge is going to be pretty pricey. I mean, you can. You can spend today, is it $500 for the entire game if you want it? So think about that, right? Yeah, $500. one of every card. Yeah, if you want, if you want the game as it exists today, a complete, it's 500 bucks. And that's actually a good price because if you were going to try to get to that through the other packs, well, then you're playing the normal CCG games of trading, uh, I guess, and, you know, getting uh, doubles and triple kits of things. So it, it might actually be cheaper just to, go all out and, and buy the full thing and and think about you know of course they're still going to probably release other expansions on top of whatever the the initial stuff is but and what's you know, interesting how many people are ready for that what's interesting with soulforge is there's 35 backers at the 500 level already it's going to work it will because if you like that kind of thing again why what's not to appeal about it and even to me i mean when you think about how much easier it is to get a game going online with ascension and you know obviously it's going to be a massive hit with richard garfield behind it and and the ascension folks absolutely and the, just the thought that an, you know another deck of cards i don't have to run to my friendly local gaming store and and drop some money i, I just hit a button and I, I mean i really need those extra cards up there here uh, i didn't quite have what i want yeah, what's another, what's another five bucks? Yeah, right? Just, yeah. So, and there you go. And then you kind of forget. You lose track over time. Wow. I really, I spent $200 already on that. $300? No. $500? I don't know. I love the game. So, you know, here you go. Whatever. Yeah. And, and, you know, being first in that space, that's what's going to do it. I mean, no doubt there'll be copycats and they probably won't be nearly as successful. But if you've got, you've got that solid background. Uh, of, of those involved, you've got the track record with Ascension and the, and the implementation by Playdeck. I mean, it just, it, you've got this unique twist too, where it is kind of unique, uh, in its approach. There's really just no reason to believe this one won't, won't succeed. So I don't know. Somebody's going to be getting rich here. Oh, yeah. I'm really yeah. excited about the whole Android thing. That was a really good surprise. I mean, I'm excited, <laughs> but I don't want to spend like money. I don't want to, I don't want to get, I don't want to end up spending 500 bucks or even 200, $300 on, on it, but I don't know. I mean, I guess if you spend the time with it, then why not? I mean, think about it in board game terms. I mean, you can drop $300 on five or six games in no time. And oh, look at all the, look at how much people spent on Dominion. Yeah. But I mean, I'm saying even ones that'll sit on the shelf and, and not even get played. So when you compare that to, you know, the online thing, maybe it's, maybe it's not so bad. So. I don't know that that whole free to try, free to get started thing. That that that's what's going to hook me and everyone else. So, um, all right. Well, so that's so awesome. I mean, that that's news our, that news made my night. <laughs> so that's our, yeah. Go back it. Go back it. You can be the the one that brings it over. I'll I'll be backer too at the thirty five hundred level. All right. Get magic lessons. Yeah. So so that's yeah. our um. And one thing too that was kind of interesting about Gozu was uh after like the second or third day it was actually the weekend of Gen Con they shut everything down i guess they just totally got hammered did you hear anything if they were back online yet 
I haven't tried. Yeah, I haven't yeah. heard, and I haven't tried to go back out. But yeah, almost all these companies they under undersize the the server presence or bandwidth or you know something along those lines. Uh, they just don't expect it to to use as much as it does. I mean, even a company like Electronic Arts. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't actually reserving it oh, yeah. to just the small guys. Yeah, even the big guys always seem to undersize everything. In particular, Electronic <laughs> Arts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every release, servers down, servers down. Oops. Oopsie. So, uh, so that's right. some well, tablet yeah, news so there. That's, that's pretty much our tablet summary from Gen Con. I guess moving on, I had one little newsworthy information I came across on a similar note, which is there's a new Thunderstone expansion, uh, Thunderstone Advance expansion, I should say, called Root of Corruption. Okay. And uh, in particular, this one says it comes with a poster map containing a board for a brand new co-op game using all of the existing Thunderstone rules. Now, I haven't seen, I mean, I don't even think this thing has a, B- yeah, it doesn't as of this morning have a BGG entry yet. But that sounds pretty intriguing to me. So maybe I'm reading more into that than what that really means. But that almost sounds like now where, you know, there's not just the board for playing the game, but maybe there's a little bit more of an actual adventure going on, uh, you know, a dungeon delve type of, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably envisioning something far greater than what it actually is, but it just sounds like a cool idea for an expansion. Yes, I've got more cards, but now there's this whole new way to play the game, this co-op game with a different board and different type of things so see what what comes of that but that's why i thought it was worth a mention it seemed different to me okay and then uh, just uh, another interesting note we have yet another announcement of a reprint for upfront the good old avalon hill card game squad leader card game uh, this time by, have you heard about this? No, I haven't. This time by our good friends at Valley Games. So I believe I'd heard they're based in Canada. I never really bothered to look before. Yeah, that is uh, correct. And, uh, and the thought is maybe they're just, just far enough away where it would be a little bit of a problem for Hasbro to sue them or anyone else because it, this is one of those games that has kind of gone back and forth on who really has rights, who doesn't have rights. And in the snippet that was uh, sent out, they've acquired rights to the original designer, Courtney Allen. MMP had also announced, um, which formerly had the rights to it since way back in before even the year 2000, that they, they had basically chosen to not renew the license from Hasbro because it was unclear where, you know, who truly owned it anyway. Um, so, per- so perhaps something will actually come of this and it'll get reprinted. I think it's still in some of the top Top games on uh, Board Game Geek, uh, formerly one of one of my most played, most loved games years ago. Possibly too complex by today's standards for the the average gamer, though. And that certainly was more intrigued when uh, MMP was going to reprint it because they were going to change, um, not really simplify things, but change some of the non-intuitive parts with the way that this thing called relative range works, kind of backwards from the way everyone intuitively thinks it should. So they were just going to switch it for the new edition. I'm not so sure Valley Games is going to put in any kind of rework like that to it. But, you know, who knows? Might be surprised. And then the other thing on similar notes, another thing MMP 
had kind of refused to make happen for years and years is actually get advanced squad leader on an ebook reader format. So now they've caved in and they're going to do that as well. So rather than lug around a 900 pound rule book with a million pages, you have to insert and, and, and replace and such. Now you can just have it on your iPad or Kindle device and, uh, use it that way. So, so that'll be neat if that actually turns out to happen as well. Okay. I have a confession, Jeff. Okay. I was kind of down on Kickstarter for a while now. Oh no, you didn't. I, I, I just backed it. I backed Soulforge, <laughs> Jeff. That's the second we time in like three weeks, four weeks that I backed something on Kickstarter. I, I got in on the Ouya okay. console a couple weeks back and now Soulforge. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a, there's a whole range of games I'm, I'm probably going to back, but maybe we'll, we'll talk about yeah. those and don't hate me. Game lust or something at, <laughs> okay. at the end of this show. So, yeah. So, I mean, again, right. I guess I apologize again for the, the whole delay in getting this timely Gen Con episode out. But, uh, for those of you, if anyone was at, at, uh, VMworld or otherwise wants to chat about persona enabled automated link clone floating virtual desktop pools, or if you even know what that is, then, uh, you know, drop me an email. We'll chat. On to the Board Gamers Dozen right. or the rest of uh, what we found interesting at Gen Con 2012. So we're, we're not going to talk about every game we played, but we're going to cover uh, 13 more of of those that we thought were worth talking about. All right, let's do this. So the first one that we're going to cover is a game by AEG called Smash Up. I don't recall if we really mentioned this one at all in our last show, but uh, basically the gist of this game is that there are eight different factions, 20 cards each. And this is a card game, if you couldn't tell. Uh, there's eight uh, different factions, 20 cards each, where you take two factions and you have a choice from, uh, what are they? They're wizards, ninjas, Pir- zombies. Pirates, ninjas, pirates. robots, zombies, aliens, wizards, and some other thing. That's from the back of the box. Okay. So there's eight different factions. and Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, that's right. And you choose two of them and you shuffle them together. And everybody, uh, you know, basically starts laying down cards on these little base cards. There are two more, or there's one more than the amount of players. So if you have a two player game, you put down three bases and you try to win the base. Uh, and there's two types of cards. There's minion cards, which are basically your characters that you're playing to, you know, do the fighting for you. And then there's action cards. And I really found this game to be awesome. I think this is probably, hands down, our most played game of the con, wouldn't you say? Well, yeah, it's definitely the game we played the most because people were playing it everywhere. Exactly. Uh, I mean, everywhere you looked, somebody had Smash Up. And and then we played even more when we got to the AEG game night, and and they had them all all, uh, laid out. And, of course, then we got our gold foil special edition as part of that night. But, yeah, for me, you know, the thing that's interesting about it is I've talked a lot about how much I like Summoner Wars just because the decks are straightforward and you can go and buy an expansion pack and there's a, a faction and it's basically ready to go. But yet you can buy these little reinforcement packs where you can switch out just a couple of cards, just do, you know, not, not real involved, right. lengthy deck building, but just enough to kind of customize it, change it up a little bit. 
And I don't even know that there's really a name for that. Uh, but then, they, you know, they, they kind of, AEG went and called this shuffle building as, as kind of a new term. And I, and I'd have to say, I mean, I've played, you know, I, I keep pointing it out, but just for the reference point, 1500, 1600 different games. And of those, it, it does kind of feel unique. I mean, I can't say that oh, at least out of the, all the ones I've played or seen that I really saw as, as simple as sort of obvious of, as the idea is this shuffle building technique of taking two different factions. Uh, you know, almost even at random, but you, you, the right way is really to choose them, you know, based on, okay, I think, uh, robots and yeah, dinosaurs what, what, go good together. Cause right? there are but, some that, uh, complement each other. Yeah, better, sure. better, but you yeah. know, then, hey, it's also a neat challenge. Maybe handicap yourself. I've, I've played a whole bunch. Somebody else hasn't. I'm going to try, you know, this combo that I don't think is going to be as easy. But, but basically that's the way you build a deck. You just take two of these, you, you mash them together and smash up. And, and that's your deck. And the, then the synergies between those two and each one has kind of their, their own angle on things. Uh, that then provides a unique kind of experience. And you think about all the different combinations just between eight decks. And now then to think about they've already announced one expansion for delivery by the end of the year with four Come more. Soon. Yeah. So now you've got 12 total, uh, you know, factions or, you know, groups of cards to mix together. That creates a lot of interesting, unique, kind of situations without really adding a lot of uh, setup time, right? I don't have to pre-build a deck. I mean, anybody can kind of sit down and play this and and still have fun with it. And it's different because of that. I mean, even if otherwise you're kind of playing for these objective cards, which uh, that part is maybe similar where there's, is it, uh, yeah, like five in a four-player game or three in a two-player game, I want to say. It's one more than the number of players. Right. And so those are the number of cards you're competing over. Although once you win one, then another one comes out and those each have an effect and they have a kind of a breaking point and, and you can remove opponent's cards. And there did seem to be a decent amount of interaction going on between the different decks. I mean, some of them are more geared towards that than others. Uh, but yeah, it's, it has, um, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a game you can take super, super seriously, but it's, it's definitely one that, um, there, there's just something inherently fun about playing it. Oh yeah. Cause the, uh, my wife and I were talking about this just recently where, cause we played it this weekend and what we were discussing about this game was that it's basically a lot of the actions that you have in a lot of the deck builders, you know, whether it's dominion, ascension and so forth. So it, it's a lot of the action type of parts of those games without the currency without having to buy things without sure yeah yeah and and, and so totally you... removes that and one of the things that i love the most about ascension for example is i call it chaining where you know you get a card that lets you do this and then you can pull, play this other card and this other card and this other card well, i'm actually thinking of dominion there where you can do like 20 cards in a row if you set it up right well you can yeah yeah you know get plus one action plus one yeah. buy plus one action plus one action and, and just like that because Smash Up basically does that. And there were some uh, some turns well, where the, I actually had to really think about what the heck I was doing because I was yeah. getting so far out. It's like, you know, play this card. Okay, you can play an extra minion. Then I play my extra minion. It's like, okay, See, you can I play was, an extra minion from your discard pile. I, I was going to say it slightly differently. I was going to say that it, it varies greatly be- between um, – factions or whatever they want to call it because like the robots yeah. have a lot of that and that's kind of the, un- the unique thing about them yeah, the, robots. Just the ability to play more of them yeah, yeah but then it's like the zombies where 
you, you know, you, you take somebody that maybe never played against zombies and they're, and I, that's actually happened because we were playing mostly with new players and they're, they're killing off my guys. And, and I was like, okay, I just get this guy back because they're undead. <laughs> so you know, there's, there's certain ones that just come back and right. you, you have to kind of look at how that faction's played and what their strengths are. And, and then the, the ninjas with the, which have these abilities to kind of jump in at the last minute the and change scores. And I'm not a fan it, of those. <laughs> well, was it that, actually, we played with somebody who got really pissed off about that. That we was me. The, was it? <laughs> yeah, that was, was it me. you. I was we had to call sure. in the rules. Yeah, that was me. That was me. I'm like, well, are you, you sure? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was right. <laughs> we even, I think we even called the AEG guy over. We did. And then he explained yep. that I said, I still don't like that rule. <laughs> That's just, that's, that's the uniqueness behind some of the decks. I mean, yeah. they really do have, uh, you can move around the pirates and, you know, there's, uh, that is you very know, the, cool. dino- the, the first mate is the, yeah, art. the dinosaurs are just all out really tough and every, everyone has kind of its own little angle. And then again, because of the mashup, you go, okay, now you put robots and dinosaurs together. Wow. And that, and that, that one just stuck out to me as a powerful, that one stuck out to me as a powerful combination just because of the ability of the robots to bring in more cards into play and then the power of the dinosaurs. So yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it, definitely an interesting game. I mean, it's a really relatively inexpensive game too. So I think it I mean, retails for $30. Only. Sure. Sure. But I mean, like online, we're talking like 22 bucks. I think it was, or $23. 19 um, on boards and bits. Yeah. Or Hey, if, you know, a hundred dollars on eBay, 19. if you want the, uh, gold foil one, but yeah, the only thing that was kind of disappointing for me is I wish they had some kind of scorekeeping mechanism, but, from what yes, I heard, yes. that was a price point issue. Yeah, maybe they could put that in another expansion. Like, if if not the next one, then yeah, that would be that. very cool. Yeah, because that was kind of annoying. I was having to use my phone, and then we were looking for hunting down paper at one point because nobody trusted my phone. <laughs> adding a couple points or something. You get a couple people together that don't know each other, and you get all these new issues. Yeah, for sure. And one thing I was thinking about too was oh, they're coming out with a four deck. Uh, or four faction expansion later on. What that also does is right now the game is limited to four players because you have eight factions to True. Each. So the expansion is also a five and six player. Yeah, that would expansion get, that would well. get a little rough though, because I mean, some of our games were a little longish. Now I know again, new players, but with four anyway, you know, I, I, I hate to think about six. I, I remember especially the AEG night. Where we were yeah. playing, I think it was our first game of the night. That group that we had, I mean, I, I think guys weren't paying attention or something. Yeah, you know, they could be listening. We appreciate you listening. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> but they weren't paying attention. <laughs> there was a bit of that. There was so. A bit of that. I mean, that I think stretched out the game because I remember going to the guy to my left. I'm like, uh, it's your turn. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although then after that, well, actually, I think you played with some um, some gaming buddies of mine. Yes. When I was trying to hunt down dinner or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you stepped out for a little bit. But, you know, the game was so well received and I had the, uh, the pleasure of playing the game with my lovely wife this weekend. Yeah. Now I haven't actually tried it two players yet. And, uh, you know, I'd been, I'd actually asked some of the AEG guys, you know, what they thought about the two player experience because when I was, before I was getting a free copy as part of the AEG night, I was going to actually buy one. And one of the decision points for me is, you know, I'm going to get it played a little bit more, if not a lot more, if it's going to be a good two-player experience. And the the feedback I kind of got from them was that they they didn't think it was going to be that good with two players, or they didn't think it was as good with two players because there it was more back and forth. Right. And, it's 
it's, that sort of thing. So it's got a little bit of a different feel because I know when we played it over at the con, I mean, it was mm-hmm. very confrontational in some of those games where I mean, people were just slaughtering each other, you know, pulling cards, you know, destroying cards, and sure, yeah, all that. Uh, and it, so, so maybe a little less action going on. I mean, it might come down to because. This was sort of the debate. I mean, I hate, I've played the game a lot, but I've never played it with two, which is, is kind of the opposite of, of maybe normal, where I, I get more opportunity to play with two players uh, just because my wife's here every day. Right. But, you know, the, the concern I had was that, that, yeah, is if you have four players, you have all eight factions in the game. So somebody's got the zombies somewhere. Somebody's got the pirates somewhere. And right. by nature of all of that, you're going to have more things going on just because more all those actions are in there somewhere. Oh, for sure. With two, though, you're, you're playing with only half of that. And again, less locations. And I thought maybe the solo thing would come up more where you, like you're just going for one location and you know, your opponent's going for the other one and you, you kind of don't even get in each other's way. Just you happen to get the cards you need and you beat it. You know, maybe it doesn't even become all that confrontational. Now that would probably mean you're not playing that well too. Yeah. Cause when my wife and I were playing, we had an instance where I got a, it was either a four or a five point base. Where I got it, where she did not have any characters, any yeah, minions but, there. So I mean, that was a huge score for me. But, and I but mean, as I thought about it, that actually happened in our four-player game too. So it, I don't think that's it's really that much different because there are less cards in two, you know two-player. You're only well, playing for three locations, but it's a bigger deal in a two-player game because you played but a fifteen true. in the game. If I score five points and you don't, I'm a third. Yeah. I'm, I'm so much closer to the you know to the winning point what would be the difference if i scored five in a four-player game you know because i was the only one that went well there's more people involved oh so more chance well but this is my point that one game that we played i think at the aeg night i actually did i was i was going to that location on the left i was kind of ignoring all the rest of you were fighting over whatever i just kept playing cards on this location 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 and then i scored it because i was way behind in points and then i scored not only did I score like five for that, but it somehow there was like a two point bonus or I forget exactly, you know, forget exactly how it is, but I scored like seven points off that one location, right. something to that effect. I know that I, I nearly won the game. If, if I had actually managed to score somewhere else, uh, I, I would have gone over, but that was actually, we actually ended up in a three way tie. Wasn't that the game like that? Two or, two or three way tie. Yeah. Where we had to break the tie by continuing to play. Oh, yeah. And you basically just, we had to call in a judge for that to, to explain that to us. And he said Rob you, wins. No, you didn't end up winning <laughs> at all. We just, you just keep going until somebody finally breaks the tie. So it, it could go on and on and on, but yeah, it's supposed to be relatively rare for that to happen, but it, it did happen in our game. Yeah. The big difference between, you know, four player game versus two is that as long as you have somebody in a base, if you lose the base, and you get second place, you're guaranteed points for the most part, unless you get a base that has zero for the second spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you play in a four-player game, you only the first three people score. Number four does not. So there's the potential right. of not getting any points. So, but but that's kind of the fix for two players too, because that would be like if I were to teach the game two players, this is where it would it would upset somebody if I didn't point that out because they would be fighting over like the one or concentrating on one, and I would just low you just lay one card down on every location, and you're automatically going to score, you know, five points even if you lost all of them, right? Because second place is still worth that much. 
and, and they may not realize to do that. And so then the one they're fighting over, if you manage to actually, you know, edge them out there or something like that, now you've just ran away with the game and all they really need to do is lay down a, a card or two. Yeah. So, um, you know, really, really everybody should probably have played on all locations and it's more about squeaking out that extra point, that one point, maybe two points, depending on the difference in location that are the extra points for first place. Cause it, the, the points we probably haven't pointed out, but the cards will be like three, two, one, um, for first, second and third place, or, or sometimes it'll be four, two, one. So there's a two point difference. Uh, you know, sometimes it'll be three, one, one. So it doesn't really matter. Second or, or third two, place. Three, one. Yeah. There's even a card that you want to get second place and. And there's text on every card that has, you know, some yeah, kind of like, benefit to like the winner. Too. Yeah, that, that kind of added a little bit. And, you know, the, there was theme to them, too. So there's, like, the mothership and uh, the text effect kind of goes along with it pretty well. Uh, in, in general, actually, the a lot of the abilities and stuff seem to um, thematically kind of work pretty well for the not just the faction itself, but the name, the actual individual card and card name. So... The artwork's gorgeous too. Like really, like I, I'm not a fan at all of cartoony art, but this is not. It's like I don't know. I'm not good at describing art, but it's um, better than that. Oh, it's <laughs> like it's like it's really well done. I oh, mean, this absolutely. Is, it's not it's it's got kind of that um a little bit of that. Uh, who are those guys? Flying frog. It's got a little bit of that look, maybe for the aliens and stuff. I like but, the I mean, aliens because they remind me of Mars Attacks. Yeah, but it, but it's almost like a step above. I don't know. For me, for me, the art's really well done. So that's another oh. angle uh, aspect of the game that I really enjoy. You know, in, like, in comparison to a lot of other games that have been coming out lately, the artwork is fantastic. Well, yeah, heck, it, the it, game is fantastic. I love well, it. Sure, but like the art, it has like um even just the way the backgrounds are drawn and the other elements to it. It's not uh like tacky. It's not gaudy. It's not. Uh, like you know, again, cartoony. It's it's, but at the same level, it's not like that. Su- you know, super. I don't know. I'm overselling it. But <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> our art is is vastly varies. You know, opinions. You know, it's up to your personal taste. Oh yeah. Just I, in my in my case, I just happen to like the the art and the, the graphical layout of the game. I think was is is really well done. Yeah, and so. just that they were able to do, you know, to keep the same quality level across all the factions because. You know, the aliens look great, the pirates look great, the dinosaurs look great, the zombies, well, they look like zombies. Yeah, and I, and I like the, the edgeless uh, board art, like Fantasy Flight's been doing now, too, where you don't have, like, that black border around all the cards. Yeah. The images just go right to the edges and such. That gives it a nice, clean look. Oh, yeah. And it, it doesn't have any of those, like, Photoshop effects type of thing. I mean, everything's kind of just laid out well, so... And I actually went the one step ahead and I sleeved all my cards. So yeah, I, I actually did a post up on our guild and I also put it on the smash up uh, forum about how to modify the insert that came with the uh, game. Uh, so you could fit the FFG sleeves in there. Cause they, yeah, cause those run a little long. Yeah. They, they did design the insert with sleeves in mind, but unfortunately the FFG ones are a little long, like Jeff said. So you can do a slight little modification to the inserts. takes just a couple seconds to do, and everything fits in there nicely. Yeah. So I mean, I guess the only the only thing with Smash Up is you know does does the interest last? Uh, and, I, and I guess with with the expansions that are planned, I, I would imagine the answer would be yes. Uh, you know, especially considering those. Yeah. Uh, what I'd be particularly interested to see though is you know you know the first expansion is probably easy. It's just more factions, but. 
how creative do they get in future ones and maybe add other layers of rules? Because certainly it's it's fairly simple-ish as it is, so that I think there's room to add another layer of something. And you know what? How creative do they do they get with that? So that's uh, that'll be interesting. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that and just where it goes from here. I believe that's it for Smash Up, right? Yep. All right, the next game that we're going to hit up here is Mice and Mystics from Plaid Hat Games. So we were able to play test that one. And we even had the designer. Yeah, I didn't realize it at the name. time. I mean, it makes sense in retrospect because he was pretty into the backstories of all the characters and, and seemed well-versed on that. So I remember while we were playing it, you know, he just knew the story so well. Yeah, I was just sitting it, there, I was looking it, at him, I'm like, wow, this guy has really practiced this thing. Yeah, his level of enthusiasm was, you know, just over the top, right? It was like, I mean, just didn't think much of it at the time, but yeah, no, it kind of makes sense. So. Yeah, his name is Jerry Hawthorne. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah. So what did you think of the game? I had heard about this game. I didn't do a whole lot of looking into it prior to Gen Con. I really wasn't expecting it to be like it was. Uh, basically, it's very story-driven. And uh, you follow the story of... Um, how did that go? Was it like a bunch of knights or something that got transformed into mice and they're trying to escape yeah, the that's, castle? Yeah, that's the gist of it. Yeah. And it was... It was a... Much different experience for me. Like I said, I really wasn't expecting a game like this. There's definite purposes uh, on each game board. Uh, every story actually has a number of game boards uh, that you put together in some sort of configuration and you flip them around. They're two-sided boards. Yeah. And, you know, one will be, you know, like you're trying to escape the sewers and then you can go up into the kitchen and, and whatnot. Yeah. Like one will be kind of zoomed out and the other zoomed in yeah. is, is the exact way he described it, which I thought was a very good way of, of describing mm-hmm. it. So, um, and, and sometimes there's optional places you could go, but did you like the game? Uh, I, I definitely liked it. It's something that I definitely can see families playing together because it is a cooperative game. For Did you like four it? people? I, I enjoyed it. For me, right now, I don't think it's a buy. Uh, it's something that okay. So we're so we're on the same level because yeah. I was going to say I, I was underwhelmed with this one from the standpoint of where I where my expectations were, yeah. and my expectations were maybe somewhere along the level of the second edition of Descent that it was just going to be more of this gamers. I don't want to say gamers game really. I mean, anyway, but um. I, I don't know. I mean, just something the guys, you know, the bunch of us would sit down and play. And I, and I think really what it is more instead is exactly what you were saying is it's, it's really more of a family game, even borderline kids game. Um, not just because of the story and the theme, but just the level of gameplay is, is really pretty simplified. I mean, even as compared to Descent second edition, I mean, you, you roll for movement points, for, for example. Yep. Um, and when do you do that? I mean, it's roll and move. So if, if you, if you got, six spaces to go and you roll a one, you're moving one space or to that effect. Right. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, even in a game like merchant of Venus, there's just other mechanics in there to help control movement, whether it be at the drives or, uh, now the, uh, the throttle, you know, I don't know. It just, this one, it really did feel very simple that way. Um, you know, combat, uh, the way the combat works, just very, very straightforward. And, 
Um, there is item interest in terms of the, the deck of items that add some interest to the game, um, some of the abilities of, of the characters and such. But overall, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, very much just about the story itself. And I guess I would say, and it's not their fault, but I don't think it demos well. I just think what the highlights of the game are don't show through well in, in a demo where you're, you're mostly going through the motion of, of learning the mechanics involved in the game, which you kind of have to. Right, right. right. I, I need to understand, you know, how I move and how I attack and what these cheeses are that you get everywhere and place them on a wheel and different things and, and that's, and that type of thing. Cause didn't that and, game start off like in progress already? Well, kind of. I mean, more so he just didn't want to spend, and it's probably, he probably did this the first day, but I mean, after you read the first page of the story so many times to, and at that point you're not invested because you don't even know if you like the game. So you're, 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 you're kind of staring off at the, at the booth next to it because you're like, yeah, 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 come on. I just want to see what the game plays like. Not really realizing that the story is half the game, right? Right. And, um, you know, you get into a situation, there'll be something custom then about that scenario where there'll be, what was it like a, a fishing pole that we found in the, in the sewer and we were trying to yeah, it was a, use that to climb up. It was like a hook and fishing thread line. or something. I, yeah. Whatever the case is, but you know, it's very much you kind of got to get, get into the storyline of it more so even than descent, you know, cause in descent, there's a story there kind of driving it, but there's still more mechanically in the game that you're doing that, you know, versus this one where you really have to be very invested in the story and, you know, playing kind of along with that. And so, um, for me, it actually is a buy. <laughs> and, and, but I mean, for a different reason, you know, I, I don't think I would buy it myself. I don't think I'd buy it to bring to game night or something like that, but I think it is a game that my wife would enjoy. I'm just hesitant on the two player aspect. I'm not sure if that'll work. Uh, probably it would just play either, you know, two characters each or something of that nature. But I think she might enjoy the, you know, the sort of the little furry animal aspect of it and then the story behind it as something yeah. different. It's, it's a lighter, simpler game even than the sense. So, you know, we can kind of play through all the stories, you know, maybe. Maybe at that point we pass the game along, or maybe there's an expansion. I don't know that adds some stuff. Uh, maybe even adds some complexity that that might be neat. Because you know, one thing I was wondering about this game was, you know, okay, you go through and you play all of the different uh, scenarios. I mean, what's the replay value? I mean, it's really meant. To, you know, you start at the I first one, yeah, you go all I, the I way. I mean, through. I know that exactly. I think they've they'll say that it's good, but I didn't see it. I mean, even just the the scenario we played through, to think back of doing it again. I feel like I've kind of experienced it. I mean, I know, I know how it goes. Okay. We, you know, we, we drop down in here, we cross this and we, you know, the option goes, you know, and, you know, it, because combat's so simple and, and such and the tactics involved, it, it was, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It was really going to be that different play to play, but there, I mean, it seemed like a decent book. The book was pretty thick of, oh, yeah. of the adventures that are in it. I think if you approach it from that standpoint of not thinking you're going to, it's going to be one of those games, which is why it works for me, because there's very few games that I'm going to play 50 times. So as, as kind of a game that I go, this is really for my wife, uh, more so than me, I think on that level, it kind of works. And you know, really, I'll, I'm going to go through and experience it with her, uh, you know, not spoil some of the different right. adventures, you know, playing elsewhere. And so then we kind of work our way through it. And at whatever point, We've had enough of it, and then so be it. You know, I think that you should buy it, and then Wendy and I'll come over and we'll play it. 
<laughs> well, that's it. And then there when you we're done, so, you can sell it. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe, maybe halfway into it, I, I, I discover, uh, you know, obviously this is only place based on one demo play. So maybe there's a whole nother layer of depth that it exposes itself. And, you know, it's absolutely fantastic. Well, I mean, you definitely bring up a very good point where, you know, something like a con, you know, when you sit there and you play test the game, there's certain games that definitely lend themselves to that kind of environment where you can just pick up and get a taste and, you know, boom, you're, you're sucked in. You know, something like Smash Up is definitely like that. You know, something more involved, like Mice and Mystics. More involved story-wise, though, right? I mean, oh, yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, something like that, it, you know, re- you, you I, miss I mean, so you, much you know, of the game that way. I mean, the, the people we were playing with wouldn't wouldn't even finish the entire game, right? I mean, they were, like, ready to go. Oh, so. man, one guy was, like, talking with his buddies behind him and just talking <laughs> on his phone for a while. Yeah. And it was pretty brutal, but you know, in those environments, you know what you're, like I said, he, he can't demo it any other way. I mean, yeah, you're just not going to get yeah. through. Nobody's, nobody cares about the, the, what to them is just flavor text. I mean, they're not invested in the story behind the game in a, in a situation like that. Yeah. So, so it is what it is. And I, and I recognize that, but I still came away with, you know, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. You know, it's not this, this uh, dungeon delving, uh, you know, deeper, more complex game, but but as a as a as a, what it is, I think it's still something that my wife and I can enjoy. So. And I've really uh, got to mention that the development and the production of this game is fantastic. It, that's another I mean, uh, plus. Certainly, the, I mean, it's the components in it, the, all these little mice figurines, and the boards and the art on it are phenomenal. One of the best games I've seen this year. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the minis are fantastic. I, you know, I I really would have liked to have had a chance to see how heavy the box is. <laughs> That's my gauge of... <laughs> well, and to of, be fair, there's, you know, maybe because of the story-driven part, there's not a lot... It didn't appear there was a lot of rehash of the same tiles. Like, oh, here we are in the sewer again. But this time, you know, we have to swim the other way. <laughs> now watch, that'll actually happen, but... Uh, no, it really seemed like there was a good number of of tiles and and um, you know a variety than uh, one story to the next. So uh, just looking at kind of what we hadn't used in the setup that we had. So um, it, on the creatures, that seemed a little less varied. There didn't seem to be a wide variety, but that's because, of course, because the quality of the miniatures. Um, there seemed a le- less ver- uh, variety there, but um, but yeah, a decent number of uh, equipment cards. A, a pretty good. I think maybe what was there? Maybe six different characters you could play, six or eight. I don't know. There's six like Mice that. Hero figurines, and there's yeah. eight two-sided board tiles. Okay. Well, yeah. So that's a fair number, sixteen. Yeah, sixteen different uh, play areas. So yeah, I mean, in any case, Mice and Mystics. So um, okay. All right. Check it out. Okay, next one is, boy, one of the probably most publicized games of the con, at least for FFG, and that was Netrunner. There's a heck of a lot of people just clamoring all about that game, and it sold out, what, in the first six, no, 70 minutes? Is that right? Yeah, and then there was that whole story. They sent somebody in a truck to... uh uh, you know, I, I think they had uh, yeah. helicopters flagging down the semi that was bringing the rest of them to the to the warehouse. And the and caravan. 
Yeah, yeah. Or they, the police they like, escort came by. Right. <laughs> SWAT teams <laughs> surrounded the truck and busted down the door, and uh, they loaded up some guy's minivan, and you know every little corner they could shove a copy into, and he drove back at 100 miles an hour to Gen Con, Saturday or Sunday, whatever it was, with uh, as many more copies as they could bring, and, and and so some people got a surprise and were able to purchase it still. Um, and then of course. Half of those showed up on eBay for 125 bucks or whatever, and and hey, look, you can already buy it at at stores. So yeah, and on Amazon. So uh, for any for anybody that hasn't seen it, it's for some reason been a little slow to your through the normal channels of online um, stores. Uh, typically, I it's, bet it's it all seems the like orders. Yeah, that's what you know. What you you actually pointed out before. I keep forgetting about that. So they probably did get them, but then they'd already sold them all, so they still show as out of them. Um, cause they fulfilled pre-orders, but Amazon's got them. Uh, your friendly local gaming store probably's got them cause we've seen it in two, at least two now. Um, and I've seen a couple posts on BGG about, uh, their local stores having them too. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Amazon 32.58. Yeah. Free shipping. So. And if you have Prime, you can get it next day for four bucks. Yeah. So that's not bad at all. Uh, but yeah, uh, onto the game itself. So yeah, what it, um, you're not a you're not a big LCG player, but you did play Magic back in the day, right? Oh yeah, Rob. So yeah, I haven't had as much exposure to the living card games as I would have wanted. I've you know got a couple at home that are still waiting to get to the table, and uh, maybe that's a hint, hint, hint to you, Jeff. Anyway, so <laughs> so I, yeah, you know, uh, I know that Netrunner what came out back in '95, I think ish. Somewhere on there, well, quite a Mid-90s. while. It's, a, it's, a, it's another um, Richard Garfield title, yeah. too, of, of Magic fans. And that was back then. It was wasn't that a collectible card yeah, game? Absolutely so, right. They all were yeah. really. So it had a huge, huge following, and I believe there were some print and play versions or whatnot, or something. I remember reading on BGG, and uh, they came out with this thing in living card game format. So that made it a little more manageable probably for a lot of people well and i've said it it, for me i don't know that it's the money aspect that bothers me about ccgs as much as it is just the the time that i you know i like the variety playing a variety of games and the time investment to really get good at and and do the deck building right there's that whole other level that just uh, so many of these games really come down to uh, which is maybe how they should but how good you are at building your deck or acquiring the right, right cards in the case of a CCG of building your deck and the actual playing experience is, is less critical, right? I mean, you can pretty much, there's a point at which there aren't really any mistakes to be made because you, you, there's just certain rules that you abide by and it comes down to whoever built the best deck and or whoever had the right. best cards with which to build the deck win. And, and that isn't just something I, I really care for anymore. Oh, yeah. That experience. And you know, that was one problem that I always had with magic, even though I loved magic. I hated building decks. I hated it. I loved playing the game, but sitting there and going through cards and trying to figure out what the best comment. Well, and it's it's again, it's awful. great if that's if that's your thing and that's what you do. And you yeah. probably don't play a lot of board games. Then you probably play two or three different games max, and and that's going to be uh, that's what you're what you're into and that's what you spend your time doing. But the LCG at least takes out. Not just the money aspect, but the fairness aspect in some way. Okay, of course, now in some cases you have to buy three copies to, to potentially still <laughs> oh, build yeah. the best deck. But but that aside, you know you have all the same cards that your opponent does in most cases. So, uh, but there's still in most of these games it's going to be 
more so the deck construction than the gameplay. Now, I mean, I guess to to jump forward to my opinion on Netrunner, though, that's actually what I loved about Netrunner. I didn't feel in a, a gift, you know, again based upon one play here of of the FFG version, but it didn't seem to me like this was going to be a game solely based upon deck construction. Like I really saw in there the opportunity for you know gameplay decisions to have uh, a, a good impact on the outcome. Well, I mean to back up a bit, I mean it's a very asymmetrical game, right? So correct. I, you in in our scenario, you were playing as the net runner, so you're kind of the hacker, and you were the corporation. The, yeah, and I'm I'm the corporation, the evil corporation. So, yeah, in most cases, that's how it's described, right? So, uh, and it's sort of a, a cyberpunk ish theme. One of the it's a very underutilized theme too, which is one of the things I think is cool about Android. I liked Infiltration for similar reasons, theme wise, you know, combined with the the gameplay. But uh, you know, I think. Back when cyberpunk was more popular, things were newer. I mean, technology was newer to everyone. And, you know, the average person, the Internet and, and just the word net and different things like that were just super cool. Yep. And, uh, and one of the, I think, the issues with the original Netrunner was it would was going to be it wasn't going to work in today's world where most of those terms and stuff are kind of you know, that would be kind of hokey now. And so I think they did do a good job of kind of modernizing it and giving it some new um new feeling substance and terminology that, that just kind of um, really makes the Android world shine. And this it's feels very futuristic still, even for today. And uh, the, the way that it works is basically as a corporation, I have these agendas that you're trying to obtain and, and get information on or score or otherwise score. Right. And at the same time, I can set up kind of ambushes for you because I know you're trying to hack into the, the system and, I can set up these ice, which are kind of like firewalls or program code to defend certain areas. And, uh, you know, there's, there's areas like research and development. There's the agenda, which is, or um, not the agenda, the, um, archives, which right. is sort of like the discard pile. And you can attack each one of these and I can put different levels of, uh, you know, I set out the card. I don't even pay the full cost necessarily until I choose to turn it on, you know, or activate that, that, uh, level of ice. And then there'll be different steps on there that, read kind of like program code where it's, you know, like abort the run or, you know, you, you take some damage or, you know, you decide which ones you want to hack through and which ones you don't. Maybe I have multiple programs. Maybe I don't. At, at the same time, your cards are totally different where you have like a terminal and you have, uh, are they actually, I think they actually are called programs that you install and uh, you, you know, you make the runs on the areas and such. And, so, so I liked that. I mean, it felt like extremely thematic, very different. The asymmetrical st- thing is ex- really extreme, just the difference in playing both sides. Oh, for sure. And I just, it just felt to me like it, it just mattered where I was playing cards. You know, do I, do I, do I defend here? There's a, almost a bluff aspect to it too. Do I, do I set this one out kind of unprotected, hoping he'll go for it? Or is he going to see right through that and know that that's, uh, you know, is he this, you know, that kind of back and forth, you know, like trying to outthink your, your opponent. But at the same time, it still matters where you play things and which ones you save up for and activate. And, um, in, in your situation, you know, the, the different choices that are made. And yeah, I, I guess, um, it just, it just kind of worked for me. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, other, other than, was this the one where we started? Was like the scenario was halfway through. You already had two agendas, right. and you needed two more. Yeah, the the gentleman that was 
demoing it. He basically kind of preloaded the decks so yeah, that certain things like would happen. So and yeah, that didn't, that I didn't like because the way that it played out, I actually felt like it was extremely random because just the way that things ended up, and I think you ended up winning. Did, didn't you win that one? Yeah, I did. You know, that, yeah, that game I, I, was... I just kind of felt like I didn't, I didn't draw... I drew the my first agenda like right away because I think he had stacked it that way, and it was at a time where I couldn't really defend it, no matter where I put it, or you know. Also, I kind of didn't understand it at that point, and so you got that one right away, and now you had three out of four, and then whatever happened with the other one, I don't know, but but I really I chucked that one up to inexperience and and poor scenario selection and poor demo setup. Yeah, like, because I, I think he was trying to teach the mechanics and not make a fair game because it was very unfair. You know, that game was probably the the whole con experience for that game is probably not the most ideal because I had such a hard time with that game because you know you have specific things that you're trying to accomplish and I mean I had never played the game before I had it's, no idea what I was doing see that and I kept asking exactly I kept asking the guy I'm like well what what am I what, what's my best option here yeah. what and am i like, trying to go after and he's, he's like, like dude just play the game play the yeah, game he's like, people standing in line just dude like play a card yeah and his answer would be like <laughs> well you can do a b it or c matter. and they're i'm all, like they're all good choices yeah and i'm like yes. I, I i don't right. know what i don't but, know what the difference why? is i want to yeah i want to understand like what is good gameplay here so that i can yeah, i can make a judgment yeah we were because yeah, i asked we were, him that and, a couple of times if you remember and, well, and the thing is you know you come to find out that the the rule book's like 30 some pages 32 pages i want to say uh, and you know maybe the original version wasn't so long, but uh, that's actually good. I mean, I think that's what an LCG needs. I mean, it needs it needs depth to it that isn't just in the cards, that isn't just in who builds the better deck. That there there is enough different options within the game itself and positions to play and things to kind of go back and forth that make for you know I can I can maybe have a slightly weaker deck but just play better. And it wasn't randomness that accounted for that. It was just my better play in execution. And I, I just feel like this game is, is more likely. I mean, I obviously can't speak from experience, but I just, with this game, but I just feel like it's more likely to deliver on that aspect. And for me, that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm sort of potentially thinking about, you know, getting into another LCG and, you know, it would be this one. Right. Cause I've played, I've actually been pretty impressed. I mean, I, with FFG, I liked Warhammer Invasion, you know, I guess I guess the list isn't as long. So I liked Warhammer Invasion. I didn't like Lord of the Rings so much. I don't I don't really like the way that co op feels and, and this sort of game. It just doesn't feel right to me. And that's why I'm I'm glad. And we'll talk about the Star Wars one, but I'm glad to kind of switch that one off co op. Uh, but yeah, so uh, just Netrunner again. I don't know. I I was I was impressed, but not surprisingly so. I think everybody expected this one to be really good. So, uh, again, that's kind of why I didn't make our last show as it wasn't like surprisingly good. Right. Everybody expected it to be good. I think it delivers. I think it is everything that, uh, that you've heard, everything that it claims to be, but yet improved at the same level. You know, even the artwork looked great. Um, so, you know, for what the price is that you can obtain it for now, if, if you're, you know, thinking of an LCG or that's otherwise your thing, you know, you got to at least get the base set. Right. It's, yeah. This is a game that, I kind of walked away from our little demo kind of mixed on it, but I'm going to chalk it off to just the, the whole experience wasn't optimal for learning the game and being able to figure out all the nuances. Cause there's a lot to it. I mean, this game is hardcore. I mean, for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, I, 
I think I just want to play, play to get a couple plays in and such. So I mean, I'm probably get the corset and mess around with it some. I don't know if I'll get invested enough to to buy all the. You know, I usually do that a lot. I'll buy all the little, uh, little packs. monthly yeah. packs and then kind of realize I, I haven't really played it since the base game, yeah. you know, because I'm on to other board game stuff. And, but, you know, I think that's, uh, there's still enough value in that base set. You know, you should treat it kind of as its own thing. This one, if there's enough, enough extra stuff going on, you know, I'm sold. So I, I guess we should move along then and talk about the Star yes, Wars LCG. Star Wars. Yeah. Well, why don't you start off? Okay. Well, so this one, I, I, I suppose there's, I really only, I guess, would have three things to say about it. The, the first would be it definitely has a weaker theme integration than, say, Netrunner, the Star Wars theme itself. But but I'm actually not going to say that that's a negative. I mean, it's it's a negative for me because that's exactly what would attract me to it. Is, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Star Wars fan. You know, having all the cards, you know, different Star Wars things and all that. If it was thematic in nature, I'd probably be really, really sold on it. But this actually seemed to be more about the game mechanics, which is now probably good for LCG players, right? It's like, okay, you got the artwork, you've got a little bit of flavor, text, possibly here or there. I don't even know if I noticed that, but, uh, but really at the end of the day, it doesn't really much matter that it's Star Wars or not. And, 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 and this one also seemed more about the deck building skill to me than the playing and the playing felt a little more like going through the motions. So there were some innovative things to it. I think certainly would be the the third thing is like you don't really tap cards in this one. You actually place tokens on it. And so certain things that you'll activate maybe cost two tokens and you'll only take one off per turn. So now you don't get that ability, that card back uh, for two turns, let's say. And so that was kind of neat. And, and it took away the fiddliness of rotating all these cards. It actually was kind of a lot easier just to put the little tokens on and take them off. I, I think... Partially, I mean, the first failure in theme was I got Luke Skywalker. You remember? Yeah, that? you did. And, and you remember exactly what happened like two seconds later? Did I kill him? You killed him. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, wait, wait a second. I, I, I like draw what is got to be like the best card in the game. I mean, I, I was like, wow, ha, ha. And I, you know, I saved up. I, you know, it was an expensive card to play. And I'm like, I got Luke Skywalker. And then you just pull one random card out of your hand and you're like, and he's dead. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, um, Mr. Teacher, um, what did I miss? Was I supposed to have a card or something? What was I supposed to do? And he was like, no, no. And I'm really? Like, that's it? Like, he dies that, that easily? Oh, okay. So I don't know. It just kind of, it kind of seemed, uh, counter thematic to me or deeply disturbing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there, there's little symbols on the card. There's this neat thing where there's like this little mini metagame where some of the symbols don't take effect unless you, play this little battle and um, you can commit certain cards to the force uh, back and forth right. and otherwise you're trying to destroy locations but it it seemed all very kind of going through the motions to me and cumbersome I, I don't know it just yeah. it was all right yeah and, you know I have, I have no no real complaints about it it's just just again it is not a, a big CCG LCG player I think it would have really had to sold me on the theme part of it um, to, to have my interest and not on the mechanics. So it exactly why it probably is a good game for LCG and CCG players. Right. So, but yeah, and then, and then after that, of course, I went and played, um, Netrunner, which I was far, far less interested in than this game, the Star Wars one. And it ended up with the kind of the opposite as expected reaction, which I really liked Netrunner a whole lot more. Um, I am wise. Yeah. And, and less so the Star Wars one. So for me, between the two, um, I'm, I, you know, my max LCGs is definitely one and 
right now that would be Netrunner. So. I remember when we were sitting down playing the Star Wars game. I mean, it was early in the morning. I think it was one of the first games we played uh, that day. And I remember being so t- tired from lack of sleep. <laughs> and I was just sitting yeah. there and the guy was explaining it. And I'm like zoning off and just having a hard time just paying attention to him. And, you know, uh, the game, I mean, the art on it's fantastic. I mean, anybody that loves Star Wars will probably, you know, love this game to some extent. With Star Wars, I mean, we were doing the same thing, asking for the strategy uh, tips and such. But it, it, there, it just, it, much of it was more of like, you, you, you drew what you drew, and I, I either had what I needed to play or I didn't, and what I, what I had I played that I could, you know, I would, you know, attack one of your locations, destroy it, I would commit a card to the force, you know, there, there was decision points, sure, but they just weren't as interesting to me as the way that the Netrunner one plays out. It is what it is, so. Yeah. Take take that as you will. Uh, it maybe meant more for the board gamers amongst you than any CCG LCG fans. But you know, if you're again thinking about LCGs or you've dabbled with them in the past or play a little Magic, uh, our vote, I think, collective vote, just goes the Netrunner way, yes. less so the Star Wars way. Yes, not that Star Wars is a bad game. It's just yeah, no, it was. No, and I still again still felt it was innovative in its own ways and 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 fresh. Yep. Um, just maybe a little bit in the shadows of of Netrunner coming out at the same time. Yes. So. That was Star Wars, the living card game. Uh, the next one is from Asmodee Games. It's uh, Libertalia. And uh, this was a game that we probably had. I mean, what do we have, like six or seven people? In this game? Yeah, we had a full complement of six. Full game, yeah. And, uh, we were taught the game and, um, it was a very interesting playing style. (laughs) Don't way to teach it, I guess. Uh, and, uh, basically this game is, it's a board and card game or a board game with cards where card game with a board. Yeah, there you go. Get it right. All right. Where it's a pirate theme. With, hmm, I'm I'm very mixed on the art on it. It looks very yeah, like Photoshop. Know, a, well, that was weird for me too because I heard all this stuff about how great the art yeah. was, and I mean I'd seen the cover, and the cover is fantastic. yeah, it looks good. I mean, I'll I'll give you that. But then you know when I looked at all the rest of the cards in the game, they're all right. It yeah, was, it's not bad, but I mean I I don't I wasn't as overwhelmed as blown away at some yeah. people. I mean, there's really not even that much art yeah. to it. And there's a- one of the things about this game that everybody kind of talks about a lot is that, uh, you know, there's a person that basically picks the cards for everybody in the game. So everybody yeah. starts off yeah. with the same That's deck That's your of little cards, twist. Mm-hmm. But you don't play them all. And so, was it, I think three of them carry over into the next round? Yeah, exactly. And so by the third time around, you'll have a different combination of cards that people are like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize he still had that one. I played that one ages right. ago. And then the way that they combo off one another will end up being unique because of, of that. Yeah. And I mean, that's a very interesting mechanism. And and then on the board, you place everything out in a certain way. So there was what? There was like a, a sun. And was a, the, was it a moon? Well, there's there's day, dusk, night, and yes, end of yes. week that's right. type effects. 
And so you'll resolve the day first, then the dusk, and then the night, and then every couple of go-arounds, the end-of-week stuff. Right. And, and 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 basically then everything has like a tiebreaker order. There's a value on every card, so they resolve in an order, and then there's a tie-breaking uh, number, I think it is. And, uh, for, you know, then you, you kind of divvy up the booty, which is, is kind of spread out at the beginning of the game face up and for each of the different rounds. Uh, but what did you think of the game? So, I mean, what did you come away uh, thinking about it? Uh, the game's not for me. I spent probably the second half of the game just waiting for it to end <laughs> so we can <laughs> And move why on. would you say? I mean, what what I, didn't you enjoy about it or what, why is it not for I, you? I just wasn't feeling it. Maybe it was just because there's too many people playing and I don't know. I, I, I just didn't care for it. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you yeah. on this one. I mean, I think it was definitely for me the most overhyped game of the con. If, if I had to award that, I actually, I still would rate it pretty high. Really? I, I would because it, it's within the context of for what it is. And so here's how I, how I reduce it down. And, and, and hence my disappointments in certain things is to me, it really is a card game. It's disguised as a board game. It's disguised as this really big game. There's, there's a board for your personal kind of, goings on and there's a board in the center but all of it's kind of worthless it's really not needed that's one of my pet peeves right you could basically take all of that out of the game and just make little stacks of the booty tokens and and just play your cards in a stack in front of you and, and you'd be fine i mean it's really just a game about playing so cards, it's right? kind of like saying ascension is a board game because it comes with the board yeah yeah i mean so so to me that's this card game and now if you think about it now in the context of of the cards with with the boards removed it's also kind of a filler game because really in a lot of ways it's pretty straightforward. I mean, the rules are pretty simple when you get right yeah. down to it. I mean, yeah, there's some, some depth of strategy with the, the mix of cards and trying to combo them and stuff, but the control isn't there for me. And that's kind of my issue with it. And, you know, again, based on limited plays, but the, the challenge is there were so many times where I looked and I watched, I observed a person. I was kind of tuned into the whole thing myself and I watched somebody make what was a really good play, a really good choice. But they still got kind of screwed out of the booty that they should have got because of somebody else's play or, I mean, there's no accounting for the order, you know, so you might play a, you know, really great card, but it just happened to be that somebody placed the one where they get to take booty twice or whatever it is, you know, and, right. and so the, the clever play or combo that you did doesn't really matter now and it gets you a result that wasn't what you should have got or, uh, you know, somebody that kills off somebody just goes, oh, yeah, him. And it was like, maybe that wasn't even the right choice or maybe it didn't matter who they choose, but there was just a lot of, um, you know, it's, it's a little, little more beer and pretzels than, than I would have thought with, you know, certain people calling this the game of the year and stuff like that. So they did. Yeah. At least one person, at least one noted reviewer did. So in any case, that's why I said overhyped. Yeah. Um, so, so like, you know, again, Netrunner was very, very hyped, but, you know, I think it delivers, right? I mean, there was other games we've talked about that we, in the last show, particularly that we thought delivered. I mean, this one to me, it wasn't, it wasn't awful. Um, it was good, but it just wasn't as great as, as a lot of people made it out to be. And so, so it's really, you know, it's this hand management game where it's, it's kind of like when to suffer pain and, because there's certain cards that work against you too. And you're maybe trying to play those in a way where they hurt you the least. So, you know, it kind of caters to that because there, there are some that, you know, that you can kind of manipulate, you know, um, and, and I, I thought I was doing a pretty good job of that too, where I was getting, I was getting, I was kind of actually obsessed with that. I was like, Oh, there's all these negative cards. Let me pitch all of those and try to save the better ones. And, 
Um, th that I kind of liked, but I, I, I just wasn't seeing how it was going to hold up to being, you know, I, I mean, I enjoyed the, the game. I just don't see how it's going to hold up to lots of, of other plays. I mean, it just, when you reduce it down to what it is and, you know, I, maybe I, I spend too much time doing that, but it just doesn't seem to be enough variety in it. Um, and not enough control and, and how it plays out. That sounds that's, good. That sums it up. Yeah, that's me. I mean, I mean, to throw something out there, I also, somebody else mentioned too, there's another new pirate game called Pirates of Nassau. Nassau. I, I know very little about, yeah, I, I know very little about it, but you know, maybe there are other pirate games out there too. So, um, you know, Merchants and Marauders, for instance, is, is just sort of my go-to pirate game. Um, you know, so I don't know if, if, if every, you got to buy every pirate game just, just cause, but, um, so yeah, I mean, so the way I, the, I guess the crowd I would recommend this one for is definitely it's not going to play well with, with less from, from my observation. I mean, it's, it's one that's going to seem to work more towards the higher player counts. Um, that's, it is more, even if it's not super quick to play, it's more of that filler vibe that kind of, um, you know, don't take it too seriously. Maybe you're drinking a little bit kind of piratey vibe, you know, people throwing out horrors and yeah. <clears throat> it might be a good game to play on uh, Talk Like a Pirate Day. Yeah, yeah. So and it, it's just how about uh, people that like some games like San Juan or or uh, Race for the Galaxy? Do you think that they might like this game because you're doing some I, I role selection kind of no, sort of? No, I mean I think it's so much lighter than those games. That's the thing yes. for me. It just there wasn't there just wasn't a lot to it, and for and yeah, it was. It's one of those where. Everyone but me is overanalyzing it. And yeah, you're waiting forever for your turn to come back around. And I've already got my next five plays, you know, planned out. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you, you, you get what yeah. I'm saying. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just kind of game that most, you're not, it's going to be rough to even find the group that just plays it the way it's meant to be played. But if you play it the way I think it's meant to be played, then, you know, I, it, it's, it's probably a light, nice, fun game. Uh, but I wouldn't call it game of the year. That's just, yeah, I agree. That's Libertalia. Libertalia. Uh, next one is from Mayfair Games, a game called Urbania. Urbania. And uh, this is uh, a little bit of like a, I don't know what you would really call this. I mean, you're basically going in in an urban environment and you're kind of renovating uh, a dumpy neighborhood. <laughs> Yeah. You know, where, you know, everything is basically kind of run down. And so you go in and you find, let's say, something that you can afford based on these card draws. And, uh, you know, you pay the cost and you fix it up. So there's a, a number of different cards. What There's a bank. Do you remember what some of those were? There's banks and... There's banks, hospitals, hospitals right? Uh, there's what are they? Parks or some other things? Yeah. And actually, on a quick aside here, when I first saw this game, I was actually kind of interested in checking it out. And then when I saw it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this it's really busy. It's so color -wise busy and everything, and it looks yeah. like a colorblind person's nightmare. And I'm colorblind. Yeah. And I was looking at saying, I'm like, this will be unplayable. And, and I, and I thought that immediately because I actually was having trouble with it in terms of, I couldn't even tell which tiles were flipped. That, so you flip tiles as, yes. And, and I'm not colorblind, but I, I, it just, it was so gaudy, so busy of a board 
that they really, you know, they really needed to make that more dramatic, I think, to be able to quickly look at things. And it's really a problem because so many of the, the scoring cards will say, you know, you score a certain number in this sector, um, you know, and, and looking at the board, it was just really hard to even just quickly determine how many were flipped or what you would score without really looking closely at everything. Oh, absolutely. So I, I didn't like the art direction on this one at all. I didn't really care for the card art. I didn't, I don't even, you know, the, from what I remember, the box cover wasn't even exactly, it was, you know, it's kind of just okay. Um, and, and in general, I mean, this is a, it's an interesting title because it's not one I've really seen promoted. Mayfair, it's a, it's a Mayfair game, if we didn't mention. Yes. They, they tend to have a lot of these games that just kind of like come out of nowhere. They don't really advertise, they don't really promote it. I don't even know if they send out review copies or what they do. It just kind of like maybe shows up at Gen Con and that is pretty much what they do. And I, you know, they just kind of disappear into the night and, and show up five years later on the discount. Tang Golf. I, I, not even, I mean, just on their little rack there with all these oh, yeah. other old games where, where I'm like, I was playing games back then. I never have even heard of this game. Where, where was this game in the last? I never haven't heard of it since, uh, don't know anything about it. Um, how do, how do these fly completely under the radar? Well, maybe this is why. I, I think this one, for me anyway, was maybe the most disappointing game that I played. Not again that I'd call it a bad game, but it just, I mean, it's just one of just perfect definition of just kind of run of the mill. Um, you know, nothing really wrong with it, we'll say, but just nothing that stands out about it. You know, as, as far as gameplay goes, it's probably, is about the same level as Ticket to Ride. Yeah, absolutely. Ticket to Ride. But and, the, the problem, and, and it does share, like, like in a way, I would compare it to Ticket to Ride or, or Take Noko, which is a little panda yeah. one, because in both of those, you can take scoring tickets or store, scoring cards. And essentially, that's what you do in Ur- Urbania. Now, the difference is I felt like the ones in Urbania were just completely random in terms of like I would draw one and it would be the equivalent of, you know, I, I suppose in Ticket to Ride of, I, you know, I draw a card and it's, you know, Los Angeles to New York and that's already completed and I, you know, and I scored 20 points. But it just felt like every card draw was like that. It's like I would draw it and like, oh, look, I've just scored 20 points. I draw another one and like, oh, look, I have no chance in the world at this point in the game of ever scoring whatever right. number of points this one was. Uh, oh, look. I scored 20 points. And so then you, you draw a few of those and you scored, you know, whatever number of points and I drew a few and those were not even possible to complete. It just didn't feel like it, it really mattered what I did. And at the same time, at least in Ticket to Ride where you're doing kind of your own thing in this game, you're totally not. I mean, you're, you're flipping over buildings that are scoring me points and I'm flipping over buildings scoring you points and, you know, maybe you're trying to kind of go towards these cards you have, but ultimately, especially in the four player game, there's so much other stuff happening that either just kind of helps you or does or doesn't. And like, why are you, nobody's building in that corner. That's where all my cards are scoring. And I can only build so many myself yet in the other corner that Rob probably has all the scoring cards for everybody's building there, but without really any purpose. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you see where I'm going with oh, that. Yeah. It's just, again, again, it was, it, it, you know, nothing wrong with it on that family level of play. You know, don't take it too seriously. You know, try to do what you can with what you got. But it just, there's you know, so many games in that category that I just feel like play out better. You know, Tick to Ride, Take Noku are, are two of them. 
And, you know, you can even make the argument like with the panda one that you need to house rule. There's certain times where you can draw a card and something's already completed. But the, the, the difference in the score that it makes in that game is still much more um, subtle. And uh, it's an easy kind of rules tweak where I didn't really see the ability to do that in this game. And I don't know that I, I cared enough. And the, even the theme integration was a little dull. Uh, you know, did, did it really feel like SimCity or like we were building or renovating the city. It, it was just flipping tiles and drawing colored cards and matching up stuff. Yeah, I know. So. One thing that kind of irked me a little bit about our little play that we were having is that the lady to my right was... Uh, she's basically handling all the cards because there's a number of face-up cards and then there's the draw deck. So you have the mm-hmm. option to choose, you know, one of the face-up cards or, you know, choose whatever the next card is. I've never seen that before. I've never seen that. Yeah. Game. And, uh, <laughs> you know, when it was my turn and I go to get a card, she kept handing me the card that was off of the deck. And after oh, like yeah, yeah, three yeah. turns of this, I'm like, I don't want that card. <laughs> You know, cause, yeah, I'm reaching for another card. You know, because she would, much. like, hand it to me, and I would see the card, you know, so I, I felt, like, obligated to take it. Then I'm like, hey, hang on. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm not saying that influenced my game at all, because I don't think neither one of us won. But I, uh, I don't think it really matters. Ur- Urbania is – it kind of falls into a weird little niche for me where – it's a game that I really want to like. I don't know. There's something about it. Urbania? Yeah. Well, I really want to like it because I'm still looking for the good, uh, city, yeah. uh, city building, SimCity you know, game. Yeah, you're right. But yeah. there's other, there's other ones. Again, I'll, I'll throw out Suburbia, which I didn't, we didn't get a chance to play. I really wanted to precisely because of this. Uh, but even that looks like possibly the better game for, for gamers or even light. I mean, it, I, I've read the rules. It's like all of three and a half pages for yeah. Suburbia. Uh, possibly even less than the rules for this game, but I have a feeling like it's going to play out a lot better. And that doesn't mean this game doesn't have a spot, but I don't think it's a spot that most of our listeners are going to fall into. So, I mean, this real, this one really is not even just a wife couples type of, you know, family game, but I think it's really one for the, you know, we'll even say preteen children, uh, you know, type, type of level of just, you know, just a game that you don't even try to approach seriously or, or worry so much about who's winning. You just kind of play um, because because the the light theme of city building appeals to you. You want kind of that ticket to ride level. Um, you, you know, you've already got. We'll, we'll we'll say you've already got the better games. You've already got ticket to ride. You've already got Take Noko. You've already got some of the games like that that I that I would recommend that are good games even to me. Um, and you're looking to add something else. And, you know, maybe this one fits in that category. And maybe that's why Mayfair doesn't do a whole lot of promoting of a game like this around BGG, because it's really not for that audience. It, it could well be they're aware of that. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so be, be that as it may, not terrible no. by any means, just kind of forgettable. Yeah, and, you for, know, for me. If, if I happen to see it like in the next year or two, if I see it on a clearance bin or something, I, I think I might pick it up if the price is right. Don't do it. <laughs> And, you know, Jeff wants, maybe I'll get a copy for you too, Jeff. I would play it again. Yeah. I would play it again just to, just to confirm what I already know. I, you know, I don't, a lot of these games, especially the simpler ones, I mean, I don't think it takes six plays to, you know, come to a conclusion on it. I, you know, I've played enough now that I'm, I've rarely, I've rarely been wrong when I've had a strong feeling one way or the other, uh, after a, a first or second play. Right. Okay. So that was Urbania from Mayfair. 
Okay, moving right along. This is uh, the next game is Leviathans, and that's uh, a game that you were really looking forward to checking out. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess that's also on the list of disappointing from the standpoint of as hyped up as it was. I mean, I think I ex- I went into it expecting like this most spectacular minis game ever, and uh, especially coming from uh, uh, being a background in BattleTech and uh, more specifically like Starfleet battles and. Um, any kind of game where you can check off little boxes and of, of damage and that sort of thing um, kind of really appeals to me because I'm still looking to fill that void. And so Le- Leviathans, uh, with a steampunk theme, uh, naval warfare, I think I've also mentioned, is something I, I've always been fond of, uh, especially the World War II stuff, but just naval battles in general. So uh, it kind of had everything going for it to just appeal to me. And now, of course, I don't have the game and I haven't read any of the backstory and stuff like that, but I was, I'm not, I wasn't disappointed in it, except that, I mean, it didn't deliver to the, to those extreme levels. Um, I think X-Wing was, was the breakout hit there for Minnie's game. That's why we, we chose it on the last episode. Everything about Leviathans was cool, but at the same time, it felt a little drawn out. I, I don't know, like, See now, I, real quick, when we got there for the demo, I think we had to sit there for like fifteen minutes for this. Well, yeah, that didn't there was help. Uh, some kind of was it shadow run? I think. Yeah, yeah some so, kind of shadow so run the, coup was going on in the in the demo booth where they're trying to demo their games and make sales. Uh, was overrun by what must have been a hundred people uh, protesting in some kind of live. Uh, role play events, uh, for Shadowrun. And, uh, yeah, you would have thought they might have scheduled some other location, uh, elsewhere, but they, they decided to do this right in the dealer hall. Um, so we, we kind of got surrounded, caught up. Uh, if, if I, if I hadn't known it was role playing, I, I guess they were doing a pretty good job because I, I was, I was a little scared and I thought maybe I'd have been bludgeoned to death or something in the brutality going on. So. Yeah. Anyway. You were yeah, saying. after all the writing got done, yeah. then we got to continue with the demo. And you were you were saying your thoughts on the game? Uh, the game. So th- this game followed. I think this was the next day after Star Wars, and uh, from Episode Nineteen, if you all remember, it was the same day. Oh, it was, it was the, the same, same day. day so it was later on yeah. that day. So in Episode mm-hmm. Nineteen, Saturday, I talked about how much I loved. Star Wars. And yeah. I had never really done much in with miniatures, so you know, this game had a lot to, you know, live up to in order to compare in my eyes to what I just saw with Star Wars. And the the little models or the little miniatures, they they look pretty good. I mean, there's they're fairly mm-hmm. large. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. all right. I, I was I was a little underwhelmed seeing them up close. Uh, they've all looked very similar to one another. I think was the the problem for oh, me. Oh yeah. And so I mean, unless you really, because well, that's sort of BattleTech too, in some ways. Unless you really get into it, once you really get into it, then you start going, no, 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 that one's a, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, to somebody else, you're like, yeah, yeah, they they're, they're yeah. still the same. And no, that's a las cannon too. That's not a las cannon on that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're yeah. the same. <laughs> yeah. They're both little lumps. So, you know, I, I was definitely, I think you said uh, you were underwhelmed by it. That's probably my sentiments also. We, I sat and paid attention through the whole yep. thing. And so in some ways, 
I mean, maybe it's easier for me because I've played a lot of similar games, but in Leviathans, because the game in some ways, at least the base game, is so simple. I mean, it's a lot of dice manipulation, and that's very uh, neat and uh, innovative in that way, in the way that the dice are manipulated, which I won't go into. There's plenty of other places to to to, to find out how that works. But, you know, basically you're rolling a lot of dice, and, and there's lots of locations and different effects and different ways that you add and remove dice and such. But... Um, but that isn't really going to teach you like what it's like to, to play the game. So to spend a lot of time, you know, having you do that and okay, move here, move there, roll some dice and stuff. So rather, and, and I did, I, I kind of badgered him with questions too at the end, if you remember, yeah. just to, to cover I remember, everything. I remember because I was wanted. ready to go. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I like nobody had any questions. So I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, here, I'll, I'll just cover all of it. And, uh, so that was where I gained the, the most understanding of things, but, in in showing through the different things involved, what became clear to me, and you know, and and, and I've, of course I've gone then and done some reading to confirm this, is that really the the basic game isn't going to end up satisfying. Uh, I think to 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 most players, it's really a game where you're going to have to get into the advanced rules to get any kind of enjoyment out of the game, and that breaks down a bit for me because uh, in a way of the hex grid where i mean even you think of a a game like x-wing where you're playing free form and they have this way that with the templates and the little dials and everything that you kind of have this um, sense of control and uh, i uh, and and, you know i've uh, the other thing is i've I've got the rules to leviathans i mean they've they've released those ages ago They, they actually gave you the ability to um uh, print out and play it with little like stand-up minis um, that you like fold over and stuff. I don't know if you knew that, but because nope. this game's been around for ages, oh, yeah. they had trouble printing it and other things like that. And I know it's it's um, as I understand it too, like that's even some of the problem because the the way it rules as they were originally released, like they wanted to keep it a certain way. I remember the whole story there, but 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 basically, as I looked at what what I needed, the the way that I needed to play Leviathans to enjoy it, I think it was a little too involved for what I'm looking for as a board gamer. And uh, for those reasons, like if I was going to get that invested into something, I'd probably just leap entirely into a minis game. So I, I don't know. It, it it just sat in the wrong spot for me in games, right? Like I, like I'd almost rather go play Federation Commander or get get back into one of those and and have the Starfleet battles experience, or just go back and play BattleTech because the the, the theme actually uh, appeals to me more. And I don't know for for me, like as a World War II naval, it's like it didn't have enough of that feel. It didn't it didn't so it didn't scratch the naval box for me. It didn't really scratch the uh, Starfleet battles, you know, damage location box uh, enough in the way that it worked. Um, it didn't really seem like a replacement for battle. I mean, I don't know what the game was. I don't know what box it. it I don't know where it fits. And maybe that's a good thing, I guess, if you've played a lot of, like, if you already played out on all that other stuff. But there's so much in that arena that I, that I've yet to, you know, um, like I want to get back into Federation Commander or something. I shouldn't actually say back into. I've never played Federation Commander. I've played Starfleet Battles and, and Federation Commander is like a more, you know, streamlined version of that as I understand it. So, um, you know, those type of things interest me more than this one. I didn't find the angle that, that hooked me for this one, but not, not anything really bad about it either. I mean, I, I actually really do love the whole dice thing they came up with as a way of simplifying a lot of that stuff. 
Um, I, I do like a lot the advanced rules that have the ability to like shield a ship, um, and do some of these other things, but I just don't know if the payoff's going to be there. Um, again, it, it's back in that category, just like for LCG, CCG players, where this is like the kind of game that you're going to have to be more committed to. So, um, you know, is, is this, is our board gamers going to want to do that? Are, are, are minis players going to want to play on a hex grid? I, you know, I don't know. I don't, so I'm not sure. I, I, I guess I kind of, I kind of leave this one as I, I don't really cast a vote one way or the other. I call, I call myself, uh, incompetent in this category. Uh, you know, to come out with a recommendation for who, who's it for or whether it's a good game. I don't really know. I, I just, it's not, it's not going to be one that I pick up. Um, you know, if I have the opportunity to play it sometime, maybe I'll just play X-Wing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. My sentiments exactly. So, so that's Leviathans. Okay. All right. Next one is from Z-Man Games. That's Atlantis Rising. And this is a game that, you know, also I didn't know too much about prior to the con. And, uh, Jeff was kind enough to pick up a copy. <laughs> yeah, we were just checking off games, right? Cause we were doing so good. Uh, you know, we went in with a list of like 24 games we wanted, or I did anyway, uh, to get played. And I, and there was just a few that we were lingering on. We were having trouble with Z-Man for some reason. Um, as many tables as they had, just maybe because they were off in a corner. Um, we just hadn't gotten any demos. So I, I, you know, I saw a couple of their games and I'm just like, ah, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to blind buy them. You know, I've, I've been enough of a fan of Z-Man games. Why not? So, so, uh, one I got was Battle Beyond Space, which we were, um, surprisingly, uh, impressed with. Game. We talked about last show. Yep. And the other one was Atlantis Rising. So, which we'll talk about now. So, so go ahead. Why don't you okay. describe a little bit? We played this one multiple times, of course, yeah, in fact, yeah, since did. I had a copy. And I've played it since as well. Okay. So Atlantis Rising is a cooperative game, which kind of surprised me at first because I really wasn't expecting yeah, uh, that. Yeah. Quick, quick side note. I actually had forgotten that when I bought it. So that was an interesting surprise. I mean, to buy a game and go, oh, oh, wait, it's a co-op. Oh, yeah. Cool. But. I'd kind of forgotten that. So go continue. One of the more interesting things about the game, at least for me, when I first saw it being played at the uh, little demo booths there, were was that the board is actually an interesting shape. It's uh, what is it like six sided star kind of like a starfish mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, you know, it's it's well, it's not exactly like Notre Dame, yeah. but you know, it's it's kind of that same you know you piece it together thing, but in, instead of just. Uh, a handful of petals. This one, the, the actual petals are in multiple yes. pieces. And I really liked that aspect of the game. I mean, by far, that's the coolest yeah, so aspect of the game. So what you wind up doing is, you know, it's uh, basically Atlantis that is flooding. So it's kind of a take on Forbidden Island, I guess. You know, both are competitive. Sure. And, you know, the uh, island is flooding, and etc. But this this floods from the outside Correct. edges inward, as opposed to, like, random Yeah, areas. and... and Basically, what you wind up doing is, uh, as parts of the island flood, and there's a number of different ones. What is it like? Uh, mountains and hills and fields, plains, right? Yes. So each arm of this star has a you know a different, um, uh, what is it called? Terrain. Yeah, yeah different, different terrain. terrain. And as it starts yeah, so flooding I- in, you flip. Th- the outside outermost edge that's not flipped. 
So eventually, you know, you get just the tip flooded, then, you know, it goes like halfway and then eventually the whole thing's flooded and you lose all of the abilities of that arm. What were you going to say, Jeff? Well, well, I was going to say, so for those that don't know, okay, so we, we, we set up the scenario here with where it's Atlantis and it's flooding and all that. And so you would, you would think, um, I don't know, what, what are we doing? Building dams or something to keep back the flood or what? No, no. What you're actually doing is you're building parts of a, like a big spaceship drive to, uh, launch the island out into space and save it or whatever the right. case might be. And hence the cover where I think it's part of the island, like, you know, of course, no relation to star, stargate uh, Atlantis stargate here. <laughs> it couldn't possibly have been the source of inspiration. Good show, by the way. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it even kind of looks like the same shape, sort of. Actually, that's what I was thinking when we were playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, thematically, I, I mean, the game's really neat. I think the game, the game works in every way thematically for what it is. And, uh, again, the, the, the tiles and all that are, are really cool. That, that sense that you're, because you, know, you, you flip them over and it shows kind of like a flooded version of it. And, uh, you know, different ones flood at different rates of the six spokes. Yeah. And, some of them uh, are automatically flooded. Other ones you kind of get to choose which you want to flood. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, to run through to what the actions are. So each of the spaces you you place your guys on to uh, to take an action. Uh, three of them are basically uh, well, two of them are resource cubes. There's a uh, white and yellow, and then the third is uh, uh, black. And then what happens on the one of the the fourth spoke is you turn the black into gray. I think I've got that right. Right? Is it gray to black? Uh, but in any case, you know, the, then one of them converts the one into what you really need. And so the different components will be uh, some variation of those three cubes. Just you match up the cubes, you get the component. And then the other two spaces, one is a simple make babies uh, type pedal for more workers right. uh, up to a maximum. And then the other one is like a draw cards, and those cards do special things. And so that's it. Those are the six spokes. And then usually the outermost pedal will... Uh, have a better chance. Uh, you roll dice for the resource, so you'll have a better chance of getting it. The innermost ones, it'll be harder. You'll need a higher number. Uh, and, uh, and so then the, similar to Forbidden Island, whatever your faction is will have one special ability that breaks the rules and, and those vary in strength. And, uh, outside of that, there's, uh, for some reason, is it the Athenians that are attacking? Um, but even though we're, we're building this, uh, you know, spaceship, there's these guys coming across in boats that uh, apparently uh, uh, flood the island somehow. I mean, I didn't really get thematically how that worked. But if you don't beat them back, then this massive amount of flooding occurs. Uh, and so you have to commit a certain number of workers every turn to fight back the uh, attack so that doesn't happen. And again, you roll a dice there to see what the strength is. And, uh, you know, outside of that... So there's a little there's a little courage token where you can kind of protect your guys uh, or double up on an attack. There's a a gem that you can take that lets you add to a die roll. But I mean, pretty much that's it. I mean, that's that's pretty much the bulk of the game right there. Um, you know, you you each each turn you'll like most of these co-ops you'll pull a card that floods a random tile or or has some other type of effect. Um, so let's talk about what you thought though. What did you think about the game? I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, we played it twice at the con so the right. first time we the, just got annihilated yeah 
Well, as you would expect. Yeah. I mean, not not really knowing what and what we were really doing wrong is we were not paying enough attention to uh, fighting the uh, enough. I don't think we did it at board. all. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, how bad can this be? I mean, again, we're building a spaceship. I mean, could these people with boats. Uh, why would that oh, matter? Yeah. As much as it does, and it, I mean, it really matters. It floods fast. Oh, yeah. I mean, like to the tune of five or six tiles. Yeah, I mean, uh, if if you didn't do anything and you rolled high on the die, something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Because each turn that goes by, you move it up on a on a chart, and it gets like a plus two, a plus yep. five. And so then, if you if you like put nobody there and you roll, uh, I think the die goes up to two or three or something like that. You know, I mean, there's strength of eight or something like that. So now you get to choose which ones flood, but that's a lot of tiles. Yes. So uh, yeah. So then, so then we played so we it again. Played it again, and we. I, I'd like to say we pretty easily figured out what we needed to oh, do to we we the opposite we annihilated oh, yeah. the game. I mean, the first one we were annihilated. The second one, I mean, I we we weren't even close to half flooded. Yeah. I think, and we built everything and launched uh, this thing into orbit. Um, you know, the the in, invaders were, were cringing and they're just you know whatever happens to the the planet yeah. as a whole at that point. Yeah, because. Ultimately, after the second play, this game really, re- well, it really reminds me of Forbidden Island, except it's a little more involved, a lot yeah, more have mechanics. You played, have you, have you played Survive? Yes. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think I like, I like the way that the theme comes out in Survive a yeah. lot too. You know, that, that simply approach is, you know, simple to approach. It's, it's a harder comparison because it's not right. a co-op really, but. Yeah. And with um, Forbidden Island, it, it's a much more involved version of Forbidden Island. But it left me with the feeling, the same feeling that I, I get when I play Forbidden Island and I want it again, where it's kind of, you know, you had a good time, but, you know, you, you kind of got it down and it's, mm-hmm. and it's almost so, like, it, it seems like a guaranteed win because I really feel, and I, I still feel this way today, that like if you and I played, we probably would we'd we'd win, win again. again. Well, guess what? What? That's not true. (laughs) But hold on. That's not a good thing. (laughs) What do you mean? Please elaborate. So I have played, I have played this one more and I do have a a pretty big problem with it for me. And, and that is that, for instance, I think we actually did. I mean, I, we would have won our game either way. But I think the level to which we won it was really a reflection of the dice, the, the dice that we rolled, because because with and the, and or the cards that we with drew the attacks, because, right? Right, because we did overcommit to the tax and figure we we've got the time. I mean, it, it, as long as we're never getting any negatives from that, even if we overcommit, there's only so many draws off the top of the deck that are going to happen to otherwise. And and uh, well, in any case, here's what happened in one of the future plays. Off of the top of that deck, and and uh, you you know you draw one card per player turn. Well, it just so happened that the way those cards had come up is I believe it's the forest with the white dice, which are fives past the first pedal and and quickly become sixes. So those it was destroyed one, it was destroyed two, it was destroyed three out of the first you know six or seven cards or whatever it was, and. It really quickly got to where there was basically none of those left except for you had to roll a six to get it. And this was early, early, early in the game. And there, you're, you're talking the full spread of components that need white cubes right. all over the place. And to convert is not as easy. And this was, this was a lower player count. 
but um so if there is i think you can pool the gems although i don't, we've never done that in the games but for certain situations um but the conversion rate is still not good and it's hard enough as it is to get enough of the cubes so here if you if you run low early in the game on one particular one especially one that's hard to get with rolls then that really really slows the pace of what you can accomplish and basically we were behind the entire thing and, and there, there's a point in the game where you just know then you're, you're not going to win and that's disheartening um, because I, really we i had that effect in every single game that we played every game not but halfway through we knew if we were winning or losing uh, am i wrong yes i mean that first game we knew we were oh, losing yeah without a doubt uh, we were just going through to see how bad we right. lost and that second game i think we knew we were winning very very quickly i mean we were just you know we were ahead yeah. on on the battles we you know we were um we'd quickly grown our population count We'd already had a couple cards stocked. You know, we had a one or two components under our belt. I mean, everything was looking good. Um, we had it to where, because we'd already grown our population, we could, you know, eh, yeah, I shouldn't even give away some of the strategy. But we we really figured out some ways that we could kind of control everything. Well, it seems like um, we but, thought we could control <laughs> Well, no, but see, I guess what I'm saying is I, I do believe that we did progress immensely from the first game to the second. And I took that in, with me to the third game. And because of dice rolls... That that which I learned while helpful and still didn't do as bad as our first game, I think ultimately we lost because of the dice rolls. And there's really no poor decision made, no lack of of good choice or anything other than sort of being at the mercy of the dice rolls. And then as I continued and played a game past that one, it, it really just confirmed that same thing that, I mean, you're rolling dice for everything. Um, there, there were four times in a row um, going for the... The, the the white cubes that I didn't I didn't make it I didn't get it and it could just as easily been the first time that I got it and bam now that component's done and I'm on to the next thing and then that one turn we undercommit on the battle bam we happen to roll real poorly and flood four tiles and and those are the four uh, that you needed and you you had some guys on there now you lost your turn with those guys because there's only so many courage tokens to go around and you know and, and so on and so on and so on so it's just it's a, a little too prone to to that for me um and uh i, I just i felt like I've, again it's one of those games where i very very much i very much enjoyed the first three plays even. okay you know i had definitely had fun with the game i like the game i mean it's co-op i'm not a big fan of co-ops to begin with uh i just for me i think it's kind of played out already and so my wife liked this one. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give it that. Enough to keep it? No. <laughs> no, because ultimately she defers to, to my judgment there. But, um, you know, she likes that there aren't a lot of co-ops where you get the cube pushing thing right. going on. And so that's very different true, very here. True. Yeah. So, I mean, as kind of a mesh of that, you know, you, you are, you know, you're getting cubes and you're converting them into other things. And, um, you know, there's a little kind of engine you can try to do with the one that converts to the other cube before you can use it. You can try to kind of maximize that. Um, but the, I guess what broke it for me beyond the dice rolling, the random, maybe that's it, it's just part of any of these games. It kind of goes with the flow. It can, that's supposed to keep it interesting, keep the, keep some variety. Um, the two things were actually, now that I think about it, there's another one. The, you draw certain components each game that are supposed to vary game to game. You know, the different components you need right, to launch yeah. into space. And when you complete one, something happens with a card. 
they're very boring. There's just, it doesn't really matter, like, which one you, I mean, it just, the effects are so minute. It's like gain, uh, an extra worker next turn. You know, whoopee. You know, it's like, like, uh, I'm gonna place it somewhere and I'm gonna roll a dice and I'm not even gonna get the resource anyway. I mean, it is like not a big enough effect for having built this great, uh, component, right? I mean, maybe, you know, it just one to the next, it, it just doesn't, doesn't seem to really matter. Like this game doesn't feel different than the last one just because I drew different components to complete this time. Uh, if anything, maybe it's easier because I happen to draw ones that need the less cubes or maybe less of the hard cubes. And again, that might just be another reason why I did better or worse because of the the different components that were required and you have to complete every single one. Yep. Um, so, so that was, that was kind of maybe item number one I didn't like. And then the, the second one though, even maybe more important was it didn't matter what I did. And I don't mean in terms of like, because of the randomness. I mean, for instance, let's go with, we were, let's say in a two player game, if I spent, sent all of my guys to fight the enemy and all of you, and all you did was, you know, go and collect resources, maybe because your character has, uh, the, you know, plus one to right. dice yeah. rolls or something mm-hmm. for that, that would actually be the correct play. That would be the right way to do it. Um, you know, every turn, I, I really should just forego any kind of doing anything. You know, I just place my guys out on and fight the battle, let you collect the resources because your ability is, is better for that. And there really is no penalty in the game for, you know, playing that way. There's no real, um, you know, it really is the right way to, to go in that particular setup, as I've described it, right? Where you have the bonus and I don't, right. and somebody's got to go fight them. So I shove my pieces off that direction and, um, I don't know. It just, it, it didn't feel like, um, there, there was enough of a, like a teamwork mechanic going on where, where any of it really mattered. It's, you know, okay, so you get a bonus gem each turn, you know, I, I don't know, like, how does that affect what you, you really do? For, I mean, it doesn't, you, okay, fine. You, whatever you want to do, you go get these things. I'll, I'll, I'll get that. I, I don't know. It just, something was lacking there for right. me, um, a- after more plays. So. Okay. So, I mean, easy game to recommend. I mean, if you love co-ops, I, I think this is a game that you have to go get because just that unique aspect with the, um, the cubes and such and the whole, uh, awesome theme to it with the flipping of the tiles and the sinking thing. I mean, all of that's really spectacular. So if, if you're a huge fan of co-ops, I think it's going to be a no brainer to get. But if you're kind of like me and co-ops aren't exactly your thing, then I don't know. It, it's, I would say try it before you buy it, uh, especially for sixty bucks. Ouch. Um, which is or another, I, another way to look at it so. is that you know if co-ops aren't your thing and you're playing with people that love co-ops, what you can do is you can get Atlantis Rising and kind of have a little bit of a you know happy medium a little bit because it's got the cubes, it's got the board, and it's got the co-op that everybody else will love. So it'll, it has a little bit yeah. of everything. Yeah. But you know, again, if I compare it to Forbidden Island, which is a, is a, a simpler game even. I mean, Forbidden Island, there's points or, or for that matter, Defenders of the Realm. I mean, there's points in those games where you feel like you're ahead of the curve of, uh, you know, that tipping point. Like, okay, wow. Uh, like in Defenders of the Realm, wow, there's all these, and you know, we're going to get, um, just destroyed here or pandemic. You know, there's viruses everywhere or forbidden island. I got all this, but you can work against the tide and you can kind of reverse the flow, right? So now we've caught up. Wow. Whew. High fives. We've got some breathing room now, right? And, and then, oh, wait, now it's back. You know, it's getting bad again. And we need to, we need to focus on this because we've been doing, and that's kind of what I meant. Like you, you were doing a little too much of this, like, uh, maybe Defenders of the Realm. I'm, 
spending too much time fighting the bosses, um, whatever they're called, the generals, and not enough time to getting rid of the minions because there's like five different uh, win conditions for the uh, for the game, right? And only one for you. And, and so that's, you realize that and you're like, okay, well, you guys need to go do that. And I'll, you know, and I'll go do clear up this. And then we can kind of go back and wipe out this general. And, uh, you know, again, with Forbidden Island or Pandemic, I mean, they all have that sense of sort of the back and forth. And that was missing to me where you still had the, like the, the ticking down tension in, in Atlantis Rising, but it never like really reversed. And, um, now we, we didn't play, I think it plays six. So. Possibly with the higher player counts, you'd have the ability because you can unflood tiles with enough. Uh, but even then, it's just one, so I, it just doesn't. I don't know. It, there, there's something about it where it's just kind of like it's it's the it's always impending doom on you, and and it's it's dialing down, and you know when you throw in those other things. So again, kind of over talked it again, but those those other games are probably better games to start with. And if you if you have all of those and you love co-ops, then this one is going to still seem unique because of the cube part and then the great theme. So um, this is for you guys. That's Atlantis Rising. Okay. Uh, Next game is... Entdecker. It's a little bit of an older game from Klaus Teuber. Yeah, so this is this is like our uh, our pick of the con when we went to the um, game library room and and you know it's like okay we want to play and it seems like all they have is old yeah because anyway. we didn't bring anything with <laughs> us that night. Yeah, that that night I forget why, but yeah, we dropped it off for dinner. All the stuff we had in the car or something like that. And, uh, so we were browsing the shelves and, you know, there's all kinds of standard stuff we've played and we come across this game. And Tucker. Actually, that was, that was and the that day did. that the car was like a mile away. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. We parked in the cheap lot because, so I think, I think it was kind of ultimately your pick too. I think you latched onto this oh, yeah. one. And, I mean, um, so there's one really neat thing about Entecker that I, I didn't realize um until we actually got it out and, and set it up on the table and started playing for a while do you know what that was um, i'm not sure what you're talking about okay well every game of entdecker comes with a um with eric summoner <laughs> oh yeah because <laughs> you, you, yes. you, you when you break out this game he appears Oof. and that's exactly what happened with us so yeah we were playing the game and of course who should appear but the number one fan of the game the you know the person who rates it a 10 and talks about it all the time but mr uh, eric summer summon uh, i can't even say it. i want to say summoner <laughs> but it's uh summer yeah that's it and In also case, uh, uh mark johnson of board games to go he is another fan and that's well, that's the yeah, real reason did, why but he didn't show up but he didn't show up unfortunately yeah yeah okay well so and and then we were lucky enough when when browsing the uh, Mayfair booth to see that they had actually brought copies of this greater than ten year old game, brand new ones, and shrink, uh, not for a discount, unfortunately. But um, so we both ended up picking one up. But uh, let's talk about the game. It's okay. Yeah. So uh, the game is actually uh, pretty darn interesting. So it, you know it predates a lot of the other games like uh, Carcassonne, where it is a tile laying game. Uh, where you are laying tiles, um, on a kind of like a, what'd you call it? A C map of yeah. sorts. Yeah. It's, it's basically a big, ex- um, 
massive grid of uh, sea spaces. And you're creating islands and you're building routes for ships and, uh, you know, you know what it's like? It's like in civilization, the computer game, when you're, when you're exploring or, or settlers MMO for that matter, <laughs> when you're sailing around the island and you're trying to see, you know, is this a, did I land at this tiny little thing or is this some massive continent? Mm-hmm. And, and you're, you're sort of exploring around to see what you found. And is this one, one I want to go after or stick claim to or not? Okay. Uh, so you wind up, uh, pull, drawing these tiles and, and you're placing them on your map and you're building a route for your ship. Uh, to traverse and you score points through a number of different mechanisms. And, uh, uh, when you do score certain things, you get to place, uh, over on the right side of the map, there's a number of huts with some hidden values. And this is kind of an, a neat little setup too, where you take a little disc and you put it, you sandwich it in between like the roof and the floor of the hut. So these things are, are hidden. From you, and at various points of the game, you get to look at those. So and I'm kind of jumping all over the place with this game, but uh, you get to place your little guys on these tracks towards the huts. And uh, I, I know that explanation really doesn't do the game justice. <laughs> well, here I, but, I can run run uh, listeners real quick through yeah. the time sequence because this this game doesn't get talked about a lot, so I'm, I'm sure most people aren't really familiar with it. So Basically, there's something like eight steps to the turn yeah. sequence, but most of them are pretty yep. straightforward. So the first thing you're going to do is roll for gold income, which is something I don't really like about the game. Um, so you get if you're under four, four or less, I think it is, you'll roll a die and you get a random amount of gold one through yep. six, or actually it's one through five. And if you roll the symbol, you get to okay. choose, in um, which you can choose six. I think it is. Uh, and then all your opponents get one more gold than you. So that's an incentive to kind of not be the guy that runs out, I guess. Um, so that you're always the guy that gets one more instead of one less. Uh, and so in any case, after you do that, then you'll select a starting space. And now this is a neat mechanic because there, there's different little paths that you can follow through from the board edge. This, there's a one side of the board that is free to start on, uh, two that I think are one gold piece, and then the top part is two gold pieces yes. if you start there. And Anywhere that you can trace your uh, your route back to is basically what it costs. So that's step three is pay the starting expense. So it'll either be free or you'll pay the one or the two. Or uh, if you have a particularly um, good uh, kind of exploration route, you can put a fort in a place and that kind of adds a toll for everyone else. And that's, that's one of the neater things I like about the game. Um, so then kind of only you can use that area unless somebody wants to really pay for that privilege. Uh, so after you pay for the starting expense, you announce how many tiles you want to explore. And this is a little bit of a push-your-luck piece because you're going to spend the money either way. So maybe you'll pick three. You're going to spend three money, uh, one for each tile. You're going to do random draws off the top, and it, it might send you in the direction you wanted. It might not. And you can kind of rotate the tile. You can choose in some cases which space adjacent to you you place it in. Um, but in a lot of cases, you're going to not draw what you wanted, and you if... Um, if you want to, you can stop and not draw any more and maybe place a guy, or you can continue drawing, like especially if you drew one that couldn't even be legally placed, it kind of gets pitched aside and you continue. Now, if you don't like that and you've saved your money, you can also outright buy the tile that you need at a cost of four. Uh, that's a neat aspect of the game, right? That's a nice tension point. Like, do I 
do I, uh, and you can only do one or the other. So do I outright buy for four or, or do I get a, tr you know, four, place as many as four tiles for that same amount of money? When does it make sense to do one versus the other? So then uh, after you explore, uh, you announce the uh, amount of tiles that you want, and then you explore those tiles, you can place a unit. And again, you could, you could place it on the final tile as long as there's land on it, or you could do it on an earlier one and just forego any of the other draws. And then the, the next thing you'll do is cover any surrounded spaces. So there's a tactic there too. If you happen to surround some spaces, you'll just fill them in, fill right? them in with, with islands or whatever. And then the last thing is any completely explored island where all the different little, uh, you know, feelers and little juts out are all interconnected. Once it's completely explored, then you'll score it. And, you know, that basically for every tile in the island, you're going to score one point. And uh, then you half that for the uh, person who has the, it's basically an area control game at that point, right? So um, if you have the most, you'll score one for every uh, tile. And then there's a couple ones that will have a bonus like plus five or plus 10. The second most will score half of that. And I think it continues on with halves again. Uh, and there's an, a neat thing there too, because you can place, there's three unit types. There's little scouts, which are easy. They just cost one to play. There's forts, which are uh, three. And then there's you, and there's only three forts each player gets, and tons and tons of scouts. And then there's one settlement, which is uh, what is it, six? I want to say, some somewhere around there. Uh, and and each one beats the other one regardless of quantity. So if I have the settlement, I win, even if you have, you know, twenty scouts or whatever, right? Doesn't matter. If I have a fort, I I, I win over scouts. Um, you know, that sort of thing. So. Uh, but scouts are more useful because once you score the island, everybody's going to take those scouts and put them on those jungle tracks that you were talking about. Right. And uh, and then ultimately, that's the real way that you score bonus points at the end of the game because whoever has the most on those tracks scores either 5, 10, or 15, whatever was under those little huts. So I've come back and I've played this game two-player a bunch okay. with my wife. And I don't really care for it as a two-player game, unfortunately. And I know that's not what you want no, to hear, but... <laughs> I believe on the BGG, it's rated as best with three or more. Yeah, I mean, so... Well, and I'm not sure that I... I'm not, I'm not as thrilled with it overall because it's an awesome game in one aspect, but it's, it's again, it's... It's a lot lighter than I would have thought for, for as high as some people rate it. Uh, because you, you do have, you, there's a lot of randomness. I mean, you've got the money roll, you've got the tile flip, there's the question mark tile flips that could either do something good or do something bad. There's the victory point good bag that you, I might draw fives and you draw fifteens. There's the jungle village track where if I'm, if, um, especially in a two player, if I, if I low solo score an island and I've got six guys, I can, I can lay them down six out of what are there, maybe eight or nine spots. And I immediately get to, to see what six of those are, and my opponent will n probably never get to know that. And I, so I have infinitely more information just kind of by racing to the first island completion. And and then there's just even the turn order type of thing, wh which takes effect with multiple players where, you know, by the time it gets back to you, I mean, lots of different random crazy stuff have happened with the island that you really had played well on and had the m most pieces on and stuff. And so... Um, that and it, it just, the game kind of feel a little samey one to the next. I mean, I, I thought there'd be more variety in the way that the map was explored, but it kind of didn't seem to matter so much, right? It's just, 
because there's these bonus tiles and because of the way that you want to score those, they'll always end up being bigger islands. And then there's these little ones and it, it just, it doesn't, there just isn't a lot of variability in the way that the map builds out over time. Um, com- compared to say maybe some game that doesn't exist yet for me that I'm envisioning like a sim game again or a civilization game or something where, um, there's just more, again, like that computer game feel where it really feels right. different as you play one game to the next. So there's ways to mitigate some of the issues I, I, I mentioned, which I really won't go into because it's not really a, a, a full review. We'll call it, uh, my wife didn't care for it either okay. so much. So. Uh, which was disappointing to me because I really bought it for her as a fan of uh, tile laying games and stuff. But it was just a little, it was a little um, frustrating for her because when she would draw tiles, I mean, she would draw, you know, she'd pay five or something, you know, it's, that's pretty high, five or six. And she would draw one, it would be invalid, can't play, invalid, especially later in the game. Oh, can't play this one, can't play that one. And she, you literally could go through all five or six of those, not a single valid tile. And you go, well, sure, maybe you should have just bought the one that you need, but then the pace of the game is slow and, you you know, the game gets really drawn out because um, you're still basically in a two-player, you're still playing more or less for the whole map. Right. And that was the thing is just kind of uh, there was a, a sense of frustration with the, with the randomness and the tile flips and otherwise a little too drawn out. And, the you know, the money rolls, um, there was a point, you know, where, uh, you know, because I rolled a six, you know, I basically seeded her with enough money to, to basically screw me over and... <laughs> You know, just because I happened to roll high at that point, and I don't know. I mean, I really there's a lot I really like about the game. I, I don't think there's a better game I've played that has that sense of island exploration and and right. discovering a map type of thing. That's really neat. I like. I always like being able to kind of manipulate the tile placement stuff and um, being able to kind of close off paths and and really, I mean, it kind of is like a, trying to kind of screw the other players. Uh, put the fort down and charge them extra or, um, and this actually happened in some of our games too, which my wife's not a huge fan of, but um, she did it to me a couple of times. And then I did it in a later game to her is you know, if you're, if you're too, like you think you've sort of solo scored one of these islands, you've got eight, nine scouts on it and somebody just drops in and kind of, you know, puts a little fort there. Well, they win it. They'll score the whole Island. Uh, I mean, you literally built this thing over 10, 12 turns drop in, place one little thing that's bigger, better than you, and uh, and they win the score. I mean, that's how the game works. And at the same time that that's clever, sometimes it feels like you didn't really do anything wrong. Again, you know, again, somebody rolled and they got a whole influx of cash. They happen to be able to start over there because you can really start anywhere you want. They drop something. And maybe you've got yours somewhere else or you just haven't been able to put that together. Uh, it's, I mean, this is the second revision of the game, right. actually, that, that we is- have. Because it's actually uh, uh, got a different name. It's Decker. Yeah, it, uh, exploring I, new horizons. I yeah. I just I feel like this one needs like some good house rules or or some good fan expansion or like a version three. There that are just a number of variants for it. Updates it. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not myself enough of a house rule person, and so for me, I like the game. It's a good game. If you want to play it, if you bring your copy, if somebody brings a copy and places it down, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it you know, here or there, but, um, for now, the fact that I've played it, however many, what is it, four times, something like that, I don't, I, you know, I just, I feel like I've, I've kind of experienced everything for now there is to experience with it, and, um, I, for two players, I'd just rather play Carcassonne and, and the, you know, some of the expansions there, and there's, uh, 
actually find that to be a deeper game, even if for this theme, you know, this is neat and, and works good. So, um, so definitely one as a collector, it would absolutely be in my collection. Absolutely. Um, but it's, it's no, um, you know, home run out of the park. Okay. That's all. So, uh, for two, for right. two players, especially. Now, again, I think a lot of it is true for mo- more players too, but it's uh, exacerbated in the two player game. It's, it's that much more uh, problematic. So you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see how or what you would think of this game, you know, playing it with three other like experienced players. Yeah. And I, I just don't, I don't see, I don't see enough control in it for me. Okay. Uh, even in that situation because, because of the points that I, that I, that I threw out there. Um, not that it wouldn't be better. That, that's yeah. Decker. Okay. Me. All right, moving along. Uh, next game is Game of Thrones Second Edition. Yeah. Okay. So, so this is one that I mean, I've owned the first edition of the game. Never really got into the expansions for it. Uh, you know, I uh, sold the first edition at one point um, because the, you know there's a second edition coming out. Got the second edition. Hadn't actually got the second edition to the table, and uh, meant to bring it to Gen Con, but didn't end up bringing it. Um, but still we end up playing it with, uh, six players. Yes. So the full compliment, the, the best way the game is meant to be played, um, from everything I've heard. And let's talk about what you thought okay. about it first. So once we started playing this game, I mean, it was actually interesting. Uh, you know, we were walking by a table and the guy had his little flag up that he wanted additional players. So, you know, we, you know, joined in there. So it was a three player game and then it grew to four, then five, then six. <laughs> yeah. And he was kind of upset because he would, he would start teaching it. Although he didn't get very yeah. far each time before we yeah, had. So he person. kept having to restart, and, but I mean, he was a good sport and he taught and, it really well. well. And, and, and I was trying to point out too, like put the flag. Yeah. Right. If you don't want more people. I mean, that's, that's what the flag means. <laughs> put it under the so, table. Do um, something. No, the, the, the interesting thing about him too, in, um, uh, he was, a. uh, Nice guy with, uh, with yes. red hair. Uh, but he, uh, he kept like, uh, pre-apologizing for how poorly he was going to teach the game. Like, I don't really don't know the game well. I haven't, I haven't played it a whole lot. I think he said he'd played it once. And I thought he, um, three players. I or thought he mentioned like something about, like, I read the rules three times. <laughs> and that was, his yeah, I don't know, but no, he just, he was like, I don't think I'm going to be able yeah. to explain it very well, but he did Fantastic. an excellent job explaining it. I mean, I, I actually have, I'm familiar, very familiar with the rules because I had read it quite a few times because I had intended on bringing it um, at several different occasions, including Gen Con to, um, to play it. And of course, being familiar with the first edition, it's not that much different. Um, but even so, I mean, I thought he just did an excellent, phenomenal job explaining that and, and um, even a little bit into the strategy aspects of, of some of it. And so, yeah, it seemed like everybody, and there was a lot of, a lot of first time players, maybe even all first time players besides yeah, everybody uh, was, yeah, you know, no, nobody was really familiar yeah. outside of the, the two of us. So, you know, so as, as far as the game goes, the game was an interesting game. I mean, it's, uh, part area control, very kind of like in your face combative, uh, type of game. It was one that I started off, I think it was, uh, Lannister and I was surrounded by three fronts, I guess, because I had you to the north. Yeah. I was, uh, direction that was. 
Greyjoy, yeah, right? Yeah, that Greyjoy. sounds about right. The yeah. island guys. So I had you to one side, then I had whoever that was, that the girl to the north, and then there was one off. South. Yes, okay, south. Okay, yeah, you were to the north, the girl was to the south, and then I had uh, uh, another character to the east. Baratheon, yeah. yeah. So I kind of just played it cool. <laughs> cool. I didn't really do a whole lot of offensive stuff until yeah, towards yeah, yeah. the end, but then it was kind of all over. And my, well, actually, so, my biggest regret uh, while we were playing that game was I didn't bring my phone charger, so I couldn't entertain <laughs> myself while my phone went after my phone died. Well, now isn't isn't that a bad sign though? If you're needing to um, use your phone during during all the go arounds of everyone, else. not necessarily. I think it depends yeah. on who you ask. So, so I'm 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 guessing you didn't enjoy the game all that much. Um, the game was good. Um, I don't know if it's for me. I would definitely play it again in a different kind of environment. And it really, really, really helps knowing how to play the game. Yeah. So let me ask you a couple questions then. So would you say that the person who won the game won because inexperienced players contributed to that? Uh, he probably won because he was left alone. More so. Yeah, yeah, meaning so you, you win when you have a certain number of castles right. and, and such uh, strongholds controlled. And, uh, really he was, he, you know, being in the south, there, there's a lot of territory to grab there. And it's not un, actually all that uncommon in the game for, for that. Yeah. Um, and player didn't to win. he c- pretty much control the water all the way on like one side of the board? Well, yeah. I mean, he was board. most, he was mostly unchallenged because he's in the bottom, yep. bottom right corner. So it's really only next to Baratheon and, and that, that gal that was south of you, um, whose name I don't recall. And, uh, and so really, I mean, it, it's really, you know, and I'm up north and I had actually started a battle, battle for Winterfell with the, um, Starks. And so there, I mean, there was little I could do about it, uh, way down there. And, and really, uh, it just, you know, you sort of ran away with it. So I, you know, to me, that's I won't. I don't know if I call it a flaw in the game, but it's it's certainly not a great point in terms of. It's really a game where you need experienced players because it only takes one person that should make a certain move or decision in one scenario that doesn't. Not, you know, more or less. I, don't, I wouldn't call it exactly outright kingmakering, but when it's when it could go either way, it could go amongst maybe three people. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, just, it seems like it comes down to a lot of that. And it really, in this case, I mean, it just kind of felt like, um, you know, in a way it was kind of good. I think some people were tiring of the game and, and made the game end earlier than the back and forth that would have ensued, um, had it continued on. And then maybe that's why said player chose to, to let it be <laughs> so that the game would end. I don't know. I wouldn't say that's never happened right. in a game before. So would you say there was a lot of back and forth in the game though, too? Like in terms of uh, territory there definitely conquest, can be in the game. I don't know if there is all that much in our game because I know Winterfell. Shall I shall well, I point out? I I conquered Winterfell yeah. twenty seven yeah. times and was kicked out twenty. But that was times. that was just you and the Starks. I mean, everybody else in the yeah, game, but not I, too much. But I I just I guess I was just kind of saying. It, that is a very different feel versus some games, but predominantly war games too, where it's very hard to sort of establish any kind of front or any kind of uh, ability to really hold a position 
so much. I mean, it, it really, because of the card play involved, even if you're otherwise defending well, you just, you know, if you saved up uh, the, the right card, um, you know, down it goes and you're out again. And at some point the cards all recycle. And in fact, the Starks even have a card that lets them do that more easily. And, and there you are, you're, you're back and forth. So, you know, that was, that was a little odd to me, uh, too. Um, and also, in a sort of Rex sort of way, it seems like a game that you're better off jumping to victory. So kind of staying behind and, and being three away and then conquering all three in one turn and kind of, you know, stealing, stealing that out of, uh, nowhere and people going, Oh, wow. I, I didn't, didn't realize he was going to be quite that aggressive all at once. And, you know, you just kind of, sneak that victory. Uh, I, I've done that in Rex uh, before. Uh, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Again, maybe that takes experience to recognize the ability for somebody to do that and go, uh, I mean, either they're going to, you know, counter the situation or bluff that situation. What about the order placement? I mean, did you enjoy that fact where it's a game where you place secret orders on every territory? Uh, are you going to attack? Are you going to move? Are you going to defend? Are you going to build up? Um, Whatever it is. Was that fun for you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind yeah. of mixed on that I'm because I'm a lot of enjoyment on it. I, I was really, really concerned about this, my positioning because I had, you know, three characters all around me and I was so concerned about defending myself that. Yeah. And at the same time, if nobody's attacking you, then it's really not the, the exactly. right option. But how do you know that? You and, and, uh, you, you, you know, you throw some support tokens down. Maybe you can support something that goes on. Maybe nothing happens. So then you want to, you want to turtle and just build up, or maybe you just want to attack out and be super aggressive. It's, it seems like it rewards, um, attacking and being aggressive to an extent. I mean, it certainly worked for me. I, I mean, basically you win by, by having territory, by having castles and strongholds. And I, for a lot of the game, I was well positioned to, to be, we'll say second place. I mean, nobody ever really countered the, he and the, who in the South was uh, going nuts, but certainly between me and the, and the Starks. And it was, honestly, somebody probably should have gone after me too because I was slaughtering the, the poor Starks. Uh, I mean, at one point, I think I had him down to one territory. Yeah, you did. Uh, it almost completely eliminated him. Might have even done that had yeah, everything then he gone came my back. way. Yeah, and then, yeah, kind of out, kind of out of nowhere, he was mostly retook it, all of it, and then I kind of took it back, and it kind of went back and forth that way. But at the same time, see, I, this is why I'm, I'm kind of adamant on the point. I don't know if it, you were noticing, but at the same time, I was expanding my sea power slowly. Yep. And I was creeping down the map, and ultimately, I was going to attack that other lead player. And that's all I would have really needed. I mean, it would have made for a longer game, but it would have hurting him just enough to knock him down. At the same time, even gaining anything from him with the lead, you know, the second to third place I was already in, really with the control of the sea would have, I think, completely locked me in um, to victory because I would I'd had so many options for where I could just, you know, land that extra um, point uh, with with the way that sea movement works where you can basically just hop them to anywhere. So... Um, I just didn't end up having the time to do that because of the uh, the way that things happen. So, um, which is, you know, another thing, I mean, I, I guess I've heard, I haven't played really enough to, to um, say, but, you know, I've heard that the game does favor, at least under un, uh, for inexperienced players, the exact two factions that came in first and second. So um, I guess we, we played out very predictable in that fashion. Yeah, you know, I, th but, I think uh, the placement you know, of uh, the factions and... 
you know, the strategy that you use. So if you're all the way in the south, if you hit up that water, I mean, you're going to run away with it. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I think maybe other players should try to do more with the, with the sea spaces, but I guess, um, if I had a mild disappointment in the game, it was just that the, the secret placement of, of, uh, orders and stuff, I, I don't know if it worked out as cool and neat as I, as I, you know, as, as you think. I mean, I, you know, getting to experience it with a six player game is definitely great. I've never played it with six players before. And, and so that's the real sort of experience. And I don't know, it, it just, it, it didn't feel any better in that regard. So, um, you know, most of the time you, it was a lot of guessing and where it worked out, it kind of worked out not, not really, uh, based on luck. I mean, certainly, I don't know. It just, there was less options for diplomacy than it seemed like there should have been less options for, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it is just, you're supposed to all bash the leader and it kind of goes back and forth. And I don't know. I mean, I just, it's good, but there, there was something a little lacking in the experience for me. And I don't know if I can define it. I mean, even like the way we all got worked up on bidding and, um, you know, what I identified pretty quickly in this one is there's very little ability to add guys, uh, except when these random cards come up, mustering cards. And there are games, and I had, you know, in the first edition, this was a bigger problem, where mustering cards would just never come up. And so the, the, the game wouldn't progress. And in this one, uh, and because I, I don't remember this in the first edition, you can, if you win a certain role, then you have the ability to play uh, a, a special token that lets you muster. And I was doing that a lot, yeah. if you remember. And that was one of the reasons I was doing so well with being aggressive is I just had more troops than anyone. And it was just because I kept, I saved everything and bid on this one role. And a lot of the other roles, by comparison, I don't think we're doing enough yep. for other people. So. so I remember like an hour yeah, into so, the game, I was like, how do you get guys? <laughs> muster. Uh, how do I muster? <laughs> Well, the cards weren't coming up, and then we had a bunch at one time, and I had already had more to begin with, and now I get to muster, uh, well, which is sort of the rich get richer, because I had already conquered more territory. So you, when you do muster, based on the amount of castles and stuff you have, you muster more. Well, so I had even more guys. Um, so, so even the fact that I did well, I mean, I'd like to say, oh, because I'm more aware of the game or whatever, but I, I think it just kind of, well, maybe, I don't know. I guess understanding how the, the crucial role of mustering is important. Um, you know, the, the critical role of sea power, the, the, the ability to keep others in check and make alliances that work towards that. But this all kind of goes to the greater point, which is it's a fabulous game for people that understand what kind of game it is, have a regular group of five or six, can commit and play this game regularly so that, you know, everybody's sort of at that equal experience level. This game... I think is an awesome game for that. You know, I know maybe diplomacy is a, is the better game for a serious gamer because it, it's it's more predictable in how it plays out. But yeah, for me, I mean, I have a copy of this game. I'm passing it on because you know I'm not I'm not going to be in that situation enough. But I really I don't you know it's for what it is. I think it's a pretty excellent game. I think it delivers on what it intends to be. So you know, if if that sounds like your thing, then, you know, thumbs up from me, Rob hates game those. <laughs> it kind of falls into the same, the same lines long, you know, with Rex, where it's a very long game. And if you're just learning it and it, it can be punishing. Yeah. I like, I mean, for me, I like Rex more because I, although I don't like the way that you got to wait for the diplomacy cards in that one either. It seems like this waiting for cards thing sucks, but 
Uh, I, I just feel like in that one, there's a little just more control, more interesting decisions. And I love the, the variable player powers feel different than the factions here where they're t- like in Rex, you do have starting points, but you kind of make it, there's a potential to ally with kind of anyone. In Game of Thrones, it's dictated more by geography. And so then there's natural alliances and things that come up. And I, I don't care as much for that way that it works out. And then the bidding, there's like this wildling card thing. And we we were overbidding. I mean, in losing, it, it, was, it wasn't really that big a deal. And that's where I, then I started just saving everything for the, that, uh, the bonus with them that gave you the mustering ability and such. So, um, so there were some aspects of the game. I don't know if they play out as well as other editions or other editions with expansions or whatever the case might be. But, you know, in that category of games, I don't think there's a lot of games that really shine. And this one, especially if you love the Game of Thrones theme, I think it's kind of true to that because of the geography and, um, the hidden orders thing is definitely cool and the components are out, uh, outrageously awesome in the new edition, uh, from the artwork to those little marbleized horses and, um, siege engines and stuff. And so I think Game of Thrones fans will, will definitely love, 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 love the game. So that's Game Good. of Thrones second edition. All right, next game is Revolver from Stronghold Games. Uh, this is a card game where basically two people, uh, for two people, where they basically go ahead and they kind of, you know, play cards on either side of their battlefield and try to, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what the best way to describe it is, uh, to, well, it's, it's, it's asymmetrical, asymmetrical right? and so. you try to win based on the numbers that you place in your cards. Or the cards. So it sounds like Smash um, Up. Sort of, maybe. Yeah. It's, it's different because this one, so, um, you know, one, one side is playing the Outlaws, you know, the, the, was the Colty, yes. Colty game? Gang. And, uh, you know, it's, it's in the neighborhood of like 18 cards. And, you know, basically then as the sheriff, uh, the or other players killing them off. Guys. There you go. So killing them off one by one and they die in different unique kind of ways. And, and so that's kind of a, um, there's like a, this one's very story, not story driven, but you're kind of telling a story it's as you very go along. thematic. Very. Yeah, it, it really is. And you know, you're, uh, the, the gang is racing to, uh, to the train, um, you know, to, or, or yep. the Mexican border. So there's two different ways to win. And, uh, then the, you know, the other, other players just basically playing to kill everybody. And yeah, and so I've only played it myself the one time that we played it at uh, Gen Con. So uh, I was intrigued enough. I added it to an order because I do want to play it more. It yep. only plays two. Uh, it, you did pick up both expansions and I really wanted to get one of those played to see how much that changes it up. Uh, but we didn't actually get around to that. So um, it, those were those are interesting because they... They add a deck building element where you swap out cards. And, and I think that's kind of a surprising direction for this game to go, but maybe an interesting one. Um, cause it's sort of a summoner wars way of doing it where, you know, you don't really do full deck building, but you kind of just go, eh, I don't, I don't really care for these cards. I'm going to use these ones instead. That sort of thing. So, um, and, and I think there's the, some others, a couple other minor things they've added. There's, um, 
one of them adds a jail and uh, and I forget you know some other little little tricks to it but but uh, you know that's also a way of just keeping keeping the game fresh at relatively low expense and changing up the way the story uh, plays out and such so I'm kind of uh, intrigued to play it some more I don't know that I really got to where I could even give it a rating initial rating it's kind of one of those um you know some some games I'm I'm very likely to figure that out first or second play and other ones like this one I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to probably need to spend you know three or four plays before I even get close to to, to a, a final thought but um yeah cuz but uh, yeah considering some of the negative reviews that were out there I don't know I didn't I didn't get um any sort of sense for like the overwhelming problematic issues that that some have had with the game i mean it's especially because of just the thematic nature of it it yeah, kind of seemed cool i got a game in yesterday with my wife and we both really enjoyed it you know it was her learning game she was kind of you know learning the whole thing and you know still had a really really great time and you know plus it really helped that she kind of kicked my butt because <laughs> i played the culty gang again and i'm starting to oh. wonder if of the two sides, you got uh, Colonel McReady, McReady, and the Colty McReady. Gang yep. on the other side. I really wonder if the Colty Gang is the harder of the two, because I lost pretty much mm. the same time in the game as I lost against yeah, you. Yeah, I mean my, I mean my concern in our playing is there's a couple cards that just kill one of you, one of the gang and. There was a an, an, uh, surprisingly larger number of those drawn mm-hmm. earlier in the game versus later in the deck, and and that does change the timing with certain locations because if certain people are still around, then you spend more um, less time, more time. It, it changes the game um, timing in any in any effect, and, uh, and so I wondered how much that random part of the draw affected it. But you know, I, I did the other thought I had when playing it was kind of like in a way a dominant species, uh, the card game. Um, where that maybe didn't work with, there's, there's a point where you want to cut your losses. And so when you're looking at what are the decision points and the tension points in the game, it's not just play the cards that you're dealt. There's a point at which you cut your losses and go, okay, I'm, I, I'm not going to win this location. I'm not going to accomplish anything more at this location. So let it go and work towards doing a better job at the next one. You know, in, in the case of, uh, in some cases you can just, immediately do that by playing i think it was like the indian can be played ahead right. um, or otherwise just saving cards and, and different things like that yeah because so, you get some benefit there, by there playing to it be, ahead because you actually get uh, extra power if you play it ahead versus you know it it's worth less if you play it immediately yeah so i it's um it's definitely lighter i mean it's not going to be a it's not a oh, deep, no. deep game but uh, com- combined with some of the expansions and the extra stuff there uh, I think it could be a game uh, that uh, stays around in my collection. We'll see. We'll we'll come. Yeah. We'll have to come back to this one. I think after and one after two plays, you know, just recently here, you know, I I really am itching to play this again, and I'm actually looking forward to it. And so far, I really enjoy this game, even though even though I did lose with the Culty Gang twice in a row. And what I'm really looking forward to is trying to figure out what the strategy is with these cards, because it doesn't well, seem like, do you, it seems like certain cards, you have to save them, like you said. Do you know the original, original theme for what the game? That? I'll give you, I'll give you one guess. I'll give you a hundred guesses. You'd never guess. Uh, uh virtualizing was, engineer. 
<laughs> no. It was Aliens, the movie. Uh, the cartoon. Oh, Mark Chaplin did effect. an Aliens. Yeah, it's the exact, it, it was game. more or less the exact game. They, they of course, had to retheme it when they oh, got okay. picked up. So, because it, you know, had pictures of uh, aliens and Ripley and all of that. Yeah, kind of I stuff, was so. briefly looking at that on BGG. Was that a print and play? Yeah, yeah, it was a print and play. Of course, because it was oh, un- aliens, yeah, you know, unlicensed, unsanctioned. So, uh, yeah, so then that became Revolver. Interesting. Uh, so, I mean, I think a lot of people know of that other game. I just don't think everyone realizes that that game is what became Revolver. Or that oh, I'm looking at it right now. There's a Gears of War remake. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that too. Interesting. I've never actually looked. Yeah, I gotta that check one. that out. Um, I'd heard about but, it. But, uh, one thing that I kind of gotta knock the game for is the instructions. I mean, the, the manual, you know, although it explains a lot. Yeah, okay, I, I remember it's really we, were, hard we were having some trouble. Pick up the game. It leaves so many questions. Cause I know we were kind of, struggling with it a little bit while we were playing and i don't know if it was just because it was so late at night and we were both tired or yeah well i mean i think i think you also confirmed i I think the new player if you're playing with one experienced player and one new player then the new player shouldn't play the outlaws because i don't know you know juries out at least between us is if they're harder to play or not but it's certainly going to feel like you're losing (laughs) you know your guys are dying left and right and as the other side you feel like you're you know slaughtering them and it's usually easier to sell a game to um uh, you know, people who've played less games yep. if they win it, so, uh, or at least feel like they were doing well. So I think if you want somebody to come go over, um, like if you want somebody to hate the game after one play, you know, make them play the outlaws <laughs> yeah. and, you know, whether it's harder or not, but just the fact that all of them will be dying, you just feel like you didn't, don't get yeah. the game or you're not doing well. So, um, okay. So yeah, for that reason, probably a game that needs a, you know, a couple of plays before you, yeah, render a verdict. So, um, but yeah, I added to order. I'll give it um, some more tries and stuff, and then um, you know maybe okay. pick up the expansions. So. That was Revolver. Oh, and there is a sequel coming yep. out, Revolver Two. Like that's a whole different, uh, well, similar theme, but whole different setting. Doesn't mix with the base. This one has its own expansions, all of that. So um, that's another option that's out there. So, and apparently somebody likes this game too. I, there's some reviewers definitely didn't, but if to have you know have this amount of uh, traction. Oh yeah, something about and, it. You know, I, I really think that if somebody does a lot of two-player games, you know, like if you play with your spouse a lot, I, I think you'll probably like this game. You know, for the people that are more into you know playing with large groups, probably not for them. Yeah, and I mean, where where else are you going to get such theme in a simple, simpler oh, two-player yeah. game? That's that's quick playing. So that I mean, that's there's a lot of good like strategy two-player games, but one that just kind of drips with theme, man, I don't know, not yeah. so many of those that that are fun. So this might be, I think that might, that's where it fits possibly for me. Uh, and you know, uh, I, you know, I, I, I can't hope. stop talking about the theme in this game because because when my wife and I played, we had just played two games of Ascension and Mortal Heroes uh, just prior to that. And, you know, there's a game when I mean, we play this game a ton, but I never walk away really even thinking about the theme. It's kind of like, you know, those games where yeah. like Lords of Waterdeep, well, okay, this is a rogue, this is an, you know, right. And they're just, and, cubes one, the, and, and revolver, you really want to read the, the, you know, it's flavor text, but it's yeah. really quick. You know, it's like, yeah, you didn't see yeah, that. I like coming. the names, you know, and then it relates to yeah. what happens. And the names of the cards are, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty cool. Yeah. They're, they're, they're kind of, 
funny in a way, but you know, thematic. And then you know, yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> it's, it plays it's out like as somebody a nice poisoned story. the water hole. Oh wait, wrong story. <laughs> yeah, no, but uh, yeah, w- with this okay, game, so moving on. I mean, I, I we walked away, both of us, my wife and I, just thinking like, wow, Wild West. Yeah, the imagery of the cards and and mentally, you're thinking Wild West and fantastic game. Okay, moving along, uh, we have Tooth and Nail. Tooth and Nail. So that's a game we reviewed at length when it was in the early print-and-play before the final. So you can go back and check that out. But for updated thoughts, including Rob's opinion, because he hadn't played it before, what did you think? I don't remember the game. (laughs) (laughs) This was like, I think the... First yeah. game we played. What what did it look like? So, uh, so I remember it came in a little there box. Was like, yeah, there was there was like little um, uh, you know, um, little guys on yeah. cards, and I played cards, and you played. Oh, cards okay. And... It's like that other one, <laughs> and that other one, and that other game. No, this was the one where you um, you have to choose between drawing a card and taking an action type of thing, and then with the cards, you either play them in the command area or the war area, I think it's called. And the command area lets you use the ability on the card, but you can't attack with it. The The war attack area lets you attack with it, but you can't use the command ability. And then ultimately, with the, with when you execute an attack, I do damage to your deck, and you take that as damage. Whoever's deck runs out first is out of the game and loses. And, uh, you know, that's that like the very, yeah. very basics to the game. Um, I go through a full explanation again. Check the the previous uh, episodes. Um, and if you're ever looking for an, if anyone's ever looking for an index, you can just uh, geek buddy me or otherwise look in my ratings. I've sort of indexed everything under my ratings and my BGG account, which is under Haruk H A U R U C K. Um, so if you look up any game there, it'll kind of tell you all that different episodes and what segments and what time markers that we talked about something, but. So you don't you know, remember, I really? remember we were playing, but I don't remember one. any details of the game. Oh, wait. Didn't it have, like, different animals? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. like animals. I, I don't remember playing the game. Because, uh, I mean, animals. we played it. It was, like, 2, 3 in the morning that we played it. Yeah. I'm I'm real fuzzy. I'm sorry. Right, so, I remember I, I won, right? So we're, we're drowning on this one. Yeah, you won, like, the first yeah. nine games we played. You were doing the, really The luck good. of Indiana. Well, so I only had one thing to add, which is, I had rated uh, the original game, the the print and play, uh, like an eight, and uh, I, I did I did run into a frustrating situation on this one because I played a faction where it was really because you can only untap one card when you make an attack, so you can untap a lot of cards in the command area. There's a couple extra, a lot of extra little rules there that I didn't cover, but uh, when you go to attack, if you've launched attacks with multiple cards. At the beginning of your next turn, you really only get to untap one of them unless there's some sort of card effect that does that. And so for, for this particular faction, there really wasn't any ability to do that. And yet there's a maximum number of cards that you can play. If I'm remembering right, it's three in the command area and six in the attack area. So once you're at that maximum and they're all kind of tapped out, you kind of get stuck, at least okay. with this particular faction where... I couldn't really do any sizable amount of damage. And at the same time, the faction you were playing, you kind of had that going back and forth. And I wasn't, I just wasn't sure what I had done wrong. 
and uh, besides just choosing the wrong faction. <laughs> um, so what I what I took from that is either a the game's horribly broken, which is I don't think the case, or or b deck building is really key here, and and not just playing an entire faction, but but actually. Uh, building cards and combinations that would suit for this type of situation and, and allow you some formulaic approach to to how you intended to play the deck, um, or or see just complete lack of experience in, in playing this particular aspect of the game because I, I didn't have that when I played the print and play. So um, so that's something I'll need to explore in further plays. But uh, you know it wasn't wasn't to a level where I like was throwing the game at the wall or. Um, you know, right. refusing to play again. So just kind of, and actually in a way, I mean, I guess it's encouraging because I saw, okay, there's, there's definitely something to getting good at this game that isn't as simple as you've got a bunch of cards and, you know, play them. Right. And, and I talked a lot in the, or the full review about the tension points in the game and how much I really like those, um, even compared to some of the other games by, uh, small box games. Just the way here, the really important one between, you know, drawing cards and taking actions and also in placing the two areas between using the special ability, but also doing an attack, which is ultimately how you kill the other player. And remembering too, that drawing cards is killing you because it's depleting your stack. So there's that point of tension. And then even when you use an effect that, that, um, that character kind of goes away unless you discard another one and putting all those synergies together, I think is really just, it's, it's sort of like a notch better done to me even than Omen. Maybe even reverse. A lot of people like Omen um, because it has. Uh, it maybe seems more complicated, but I think the elegance in this design is is um, perfection in that sort of tension system that he has going on in a lot of the games. So for me, I'm still very much a fan of Tooth and Nail. I just have to get it played more. I've just not played the the final version enough, but uh, definitely check that out if if you're in any way interested in the the small box series of games and want a a neat little uh, fast playing. You know, very very fast to play. That's the other thing that that's why right. it works. It's really quick to play, just kind of to bleed through the deck. So yep. that's tooth and nail. And then, what is it, the, the last game in our board gamers? This Gen is Con another Gen? one from Small Box Games. It's Hemlock. This is... Yeah, so this is... Hey, go ahead. Well, I was going to say it's just a, a game that I had, like, no interest in playing. So. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> a bunch of reviewers trashed it. I don't even remember which ones, but... And it's, like, rated really low on BGG. I mean, it's, like, 2,300. Yeah, 2,383. I mean, come on. The game's got to suck. It's got a 7.28 out of 10. Yeah, so it's a neat thing. Read through all the comments. They're actually all pretty positive. So I, it's one of those things where I just not enough people have rated it or yep. bought it, I guess. And so it gets rated really low based on that, even though the comments are relatively positive and somewhat mm-hmm. high. I, I guess I'm giving away that I actually really liked it. So I'm surprised. But, but the reasons are, are, um, perhaps not unique. I mean, there's things I've mentioned before. So what this game has, I mean, I, without going through a lot of the nuances of, of gameplay, it has a spatial element on the card, on these center cards. You know, you're battling over card locations like a, a lot of these <clears throat> card games, but there's actually a little grid on each one where you place, uh, where there's like little houses. Yeah, there are little houses and each grid is a different shape. Yeah, and so there's a, a different tactic to to how those are manipulated and 
evaluated. And then there's a, a different one to how the cards are evaluated on either side. And I, I think, again, it's one of those ones to think at first, like, there's no control or something, but it, it's that same sort of tension between two things that you want to accomplish, um, maybe in a more complex way than simply, uh, again, omens like take gold or cards, was it? And then, uh, you know, tooth and nail we just described. And then the hemlock, it's, it's this other, uh, almost seemingly more intricate way. Well, I don't know. For me, it works. Uh, you know, not that again, I've played it a lot, but I, enough to pick it up. I forgot to add it to my most recent order, um, but I'll add it to my next one. I think if nothing else, it stands out as unique. I mean, how many other games are you playing on a little board? It's like a little board, uh, game within each card, you know, where you're, yeah, you're playing for positions. Cause you've got and the stuff. hand management of the cards and then you've essentially got area control with these little houses. So it's like two in one. Yeah, well, and then you have a choice. There's a day and night thing, which is kind of confusing. I mean, we oh actually boy. had trouble with the rules yeah. on this one, too. Yeah, yeah, but um, the way that you switch out these night cards and day cards, there's a, an interesting decision point there, and uh, you, you're trying to manipulate that system to favor you and where you currently have or believe you have control or will get control. And uh, I don't know. To me, if... If nothing else, like even if I later come back and say, I don't know, like somehow the game doesn't work for me, I really, as from a game design perspective, like every once in a while I run into a game where I like, I really admire just the way that the game is designed. And I mean, I mean, almost I mean it more than tooth and nail. And I've played this one even less, but just I, like I see in it so many unique uh, angles for all the different little card games like this that I've, that I've played. That I'm now, I'm, I'm kind of really impressed with small box games because even though I'm not as big a fan of Omen as some, but I still respect the game. Um, but looking at Tooth and Nail and Hemlock and, and seeing some of the other stuff, um, small box games for me is definitely a publisher I'm going to pay a lot oh, more great. attention to um, than I than I had. So, um, and I, and I'm really a fan of the direction they've taken the boxes too. I like the boxes that all three of these games in the current edition come in. They're regular, um, kind of like deck boxes, actually pretty good sized ones where you can put in even with sleeves they'll fit um you know rugged construction no more dvd cases none of that yeah with the new box Um, so i wish they just threw in a couple pieces of foam in there because i think they just assume you're gonna sleep but yeah they kind of everything kind of floats around in there when you first get it because there's a lot of empty space but you know but but hey it wasn't it wasn't done to make the, the game look bigger than it is i mean it was truly done with the intent of having a standard size box, uh, one between their games and, and two just to fit the sleeve right. uh, version. So, so yeah, I mean, I don't know it, anything you wanted to add to that for how no, just, uh, you know, that was one game that I kind of picked up on an impulse, uh, when I picked up omens and it, it was a surprise, you know, I'd heard some, you know, decent things about it and the whole mechanic of the area control with those little houses on the center cards, uh, that seemed definitely interesting. So I gave it a shot and I was pleasantly surprised. I, I really enjoyed it. And, um, I don't know if it's going to go over well with, uh, Wendy, my wife, but I, yeah. yeah, we can play it. We can play It'll, it. I'll, I'll cart this one around. I just, there's something uh, like, you know, brilliantly yeah. unique about, um, the way it's set up and the spatial play and the, the, the decision point. And, and I, I'm, 
Uh, and the you know even the art yeah. is kind of neat. The theme and everything is kind of. And um, what's interesting too is they have five factions. So there's there's four control areas or four cards that you put in the middle. So there's one that basically goes along with each of those cards as a main action of sorts. And then there's a fifth faction that doesn't appear anywhere. So. Yeah. And, and again, so, and I'm not speaking from a lot of experience with the game. So, you know, go check it out on BGG, read some of the comments on it. I mean, I, I looked through them earlier today and I didn't, I didn't really see anything that, that was, was too negative. I, the, the things I'd heard had been like an other podcast or, I mean, definitely had, remember who it was but there were there were definitely a couple knocks against against it and there's um, a pretty good review uh uh out there by one of the guys that uh actually is very favorable too yeah that's good i, I mean again i i don't know i think if you approach the game with the wrong expectation maybe that would be it or uh you know like this one maybe is a little harder to wrap your head around everything that's going on i mean i didn't feel like in any way i it was just weird for me coming out of it. I didn't feel like I really even understood how to yeah. play it well. But, but again, I like, that's what, that's what I want. I want to see a game that's unique, that really interests me to, to, to learn how to get better game to one game to the next. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just encouraged with everything I saw here. And, you know, I felt like, um, like I, I think this was another one you probably slaughtered me at. It was in that run of games. <laughs> Um, but I could, I could understand like what I did wrong. Like I know I, I spent too much focus on the spatial play and the center, not enough on playing the valued cards. And then in the day and the night choices, um, similarly, and, and, uh, just, you know, my head's sort of swimming with all these, um, you know, different things. I would uh, try to, uh, you know, it seemed like one of those where you can't overcommit to any, you kind of kind of balance all three of those things. At, at one time and not um, over focus on one, and that seems like again the, exactly the type of tension points you want in a game to, to keep it interesting, and yet it's still a, this sort of relatively few you know cards, simpler, faster yeah. playing games. So. Okay, Hemlock from Hemlock. Small Box Games. Check it out. Okay, now what I'll do is in typical board gamers dozen fashion, I'll give a summary of each game that we covered, all thirteen of them. I'll assign a rating and uh, just basically give you my summary thoughts as uh, they each compare to one another. So starting off, a rating of 4, and the only negative rating here goes to a game better left for casual game-playing families with preteens. That's Urbania 2012 Mayfair Games. More neutral opinion on the next four titles. Those include a rating of 5, for what's innovative as an LCG, but with a somewhat lackluster theme integration and a game that then falls into the shadow of Netrunner, that's Star Wars, the living card game, 2012, Fantasy Flight Games. A 5.75 for what seems like it would be a fine enough game in whatever niche gaming genre it happens to fall within. I just can't figure out for myself yet exactly what itch this game does scratch. That's Leviathans, 2012, Catalyst Game Labs. A 6, for what is unique enough among co-op games, with awesome board and a compelling theme, but a bit too random and repetitive for me, that's Atlantis Rising, 2012 Z-Man Games. A 6.25, for perhaps the best island exploration game around, though one that feels like it needs another update to bring it to where games have gone more than a decade later, that's... Decker Exploring New Horizons, 2001, Mayfair Games. 
Now, the remaining eight games are all ones I lend a positive rating to, so you could say these are all the ones that I recommend. That begins with a seven for what's no game of the year, but pretty darn good nonetheless. That's Libertalia 2012 Asmodee. A 7.25 for perhaps the better theme diplomacy game, even if it may not have quite as many meaningful diplomacy moments, and may even lack some of the tactical and strategic play that good old diplomacy has. Well, that's Game of Thrones 2nd Edition, 2011 Fantasy Flight Games. A 7.5 for what's no gamer's game, that's for sure, but mighty fine still at what it sets out to do. That's Mice and Mystics, 2012 Plaid Hat Games. A 7.75 initial rating for a game that is random for sure, yet still a quick fun romp with theme in every direction. That's Revolver, 2011 Stronghold and White Goblin Games. A 7.75 initial rating also for the most impressive first play of a living card game to date for me. That's Netrunner, the living card game, 2012 Fantasy Flight Games. An 8 initial rating for a game with tension points abounding and a relatively small little box that includes spatial play on some of the cards themselves. That's Hemlock, 2011 small box games, also an 8. For a game I'm still impressed by, everything from the art to the tough gameplay choices in, that's Tooth and Nail, 2012 small box games, and uh, an 8.25 for a game I like more and more each time I play it, and continue to evolve my strategies even now. The best game in this episode's Board Gamers Dozen, that is Smash Up, 2012 AEG. And there you have it. Okay, and that concludes the Board Gamers Dozen. Wow. <sighs> or the Gen Con Dozen. Board Gamers Dozen. Okay, now to talk about the 28 <laughs> other games we played. Oh, no, okay, no, 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 no. so last four weeks I played. Yeah. Well, I mean, even just a Gen Con, there was, yeah. there was others. I mean, we got to play in Agricola, All Creatures Big and Small, which yep. was my first play of that. And there were other things, but these were really the ones that we wanted to talk about. And so that, that kind of concludes our Gen Con 2012 coverage. And then. We'll continue next week with a regular episode talking about other games we played, you know, since. More news and, and all forth, that so. good stuff. Okay, so that concludes episode number 20, Gen Con 2012 Revisited. Uh, make sure to check out our website, thisboardgamelife.com. Uh, also, uh, we have our email address, contact at thisboardgamelife.com, where you can shoot an email off to us. So, uh, you know, send any comments, any questions, um, you know, things you like about uh, the episode that you just heard, you know, just send it over to us. And uh, if you have a question, we'll use it in our show in our feedback attack section. Also, you can call our voicemail at 754-444-TBGL, which is also uh, 754-444-8245. If you do... Uh, send us a voicemail or uh, mp3 we will uh, more than likely put you up on the show um, with with emails we will probably just summarize that into any questions you ask uh, another way to, to get us feedback is over in our bgg guild um, appreciate any uh, topics you start there ideas for the show or uh, just feedback in general 
uh, BGG blog we also have. Uh, it's another place you can co- go in uh, and see links to our show, comment on it, and so forth. Okay, and also don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Uh, we're also available on Stitcher. So if you give us a rating on iTunes, that helps us get featured uh, so we stand out uh, amongst all the other podcasts out there. Yeah, and so, I mean, we're not we're not asking for donations here. We're not asking for any any kind of uh, support other than, you know, spread the word if you like the show. Uh, you know, uh, iTunes uh, is certainly, certainly a place where, uh, you know, people like to hide behind other identities and such. So if you, if you like the show, uh, you know, rate us there. Um, you know, uh, point us out in, in, in threads at different locations uh, around on the internet. Maybe not just Board Game Geek, but uh, wherever you happen to uh, frequent. And uh, just just get the good word out that you, that you enjoy our show. That's uh, that's really how you can help us. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, thanks for uh, listening to this episode. It was a pleasure to record it, as always. <laughs> My name is Rob. I'll catch you all next week. This episode was recorded on September 4th. And 5th. And, and 5th, yes. <laughs> uh, you've been listening to this board game life. There is no antidote for board gaming. Until next time, this is Jeff.